Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, great to have you all with us. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus, and uh, we got lots on the docket today. A little hockey, a little football, some golf. Obviously, the golf uh, story with uh, everything that happened yesterday with the Saudi public investment fund, the PGA Tour, the DP Tour, what becomes of Liv, certainly still the biggest story in the uh, well, in North American sports, although maybe Lionel Messi had something to say about that. We'll get to that in a minute as well. Um, it's going to be fun, though. Of course, we got CFL kickoff tomorrow night. One more sleep, three down football fans. Tomorrow, Calgary and BC are going to get going in the season opener. And then Friday night, IG Field, Bombers, Ticats cannot wait for game number one in the Bomber home opener. And, you know, with the Bombers playing the Ticats this weekend, who better to join us than Marshall Ferguson, who um, has really turned out to be and proven to be one of the uh, real rising stars when it comes to Canadian sports media, particularly when it comes to breaking down the three-down game. So uh, Marsh is going to jump on, and then it's the birthday boy, Scott Billick. Put an extra candle on the cake today for Billick, and now uh, he's going to jump on. We'll talk about what's happening around the National Hockey League Stanley Cup Final, as well as some of the uh, ongoing topics of the Winnipeg Jets offseason. Uh, and then, of course, with golf dominating the headlines this week, not only because it's the RBC Canadian Open, going to have a chance to welcome in the host of Golf Talk Canada, our pal Mark Zacchino from Oakdale in Toronto, where the PGA Tour will tee off on Thursday for the RBC Canadian Open. He will join us as well today on the program. So lots to get to. Welcome to everyone with us on the program. Hit that red subscribe button if you're with us on YouTube. And shout out to all of the podcast listeners making Winnipeg Sports Talk part of your day. If you are on YouTube and you haven't already, get on over to uh, your favorite podcast the, uh, provider. Just type in Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe so you get the audio feed as soon as the live show is done every afternoon here on WST. All right, just before we bring in Michael Remus, thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. ASD Assiniboia Downs, they're back at it tonight at 730 the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who've got 6,000 kids at the ballpark as we speak, but are back at home in a normal time tomorrow night. Modern Man, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, BP, Princess Auto, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Little Brown Jug, and of course our partners over at Cool Bet. By the way, Lock Shop, Normally goes before Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to have a special lock shop today at 3.30 p.m. Um, so you can join us on our YouTube channel, Lock Shop Bets. Hit a sub sub with sub over there. We'll be making our picks for the Canadian Open, talking about the CFL opener, as well as uh, NBA and NHL finals game number three after an off night last night. And a huge thanks to Cool Bet. If you uh, haven't been with us the last couple of days, folks, we are so excited to be uh Doing our programs, Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by Cool Bet, beginning on the 26th of June. 
So, uh, I mean, we'd like you to join us every day live on YouTube, but definitely make some appointment viewing for everything that's happening around the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League for what should be a wild week down in Music City beginning on the 26th. And huge thanks to Pat and the gang at CoolBet for making that possible here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's get Remo in here and get this thing going. What is up? How are you? Feeling good, Huss. I'm ready. Uh, Stanley Cup off day, but more importantly, uh, one more sleep, as you said, uh, for the start of the CFL season. This is awesome. Uh, it's finally here. We've got to wait an extra day for the Bombers, but, uh, you know, we still got, what, Lions stamps? You know, the Bo Levi era. I guess it ended last year, but now really over um, with Jake Mayer there. And, you know, watching BC just isn't going to be the same without Nathan Rourke, man. He was so awesome. Even when he was, like, putting up 50 points on uh, some of those those terrible team. Who did he always beat up on? Ottawa. They had some crazy games. and uh, he's putting up, Yeah, he's just putting up so many points. Just embarrassing teams on Saturday nights, and I would watch the whole thing because I had him in fantasy. But he won't, he won't be there, so we'll see the VA era. Vernon Adams in NBC. Hey, by the way, just quickly, uh, a big WST shout-out to one of our regs in the chat, Derek Schmidt, who just mentioned that uh, he and his girlfriend had their baby on Friday after the Bomber game. So, uh, Derek, congratulations. Add one more to the WST community. And uh, lots of congrats for Derek coming in the chat right now. That is great news. And, uh, oh, and to think that he missed the fourth quarter of a preseason game for the birth of his child. Those are the sacrifices that you make as a father, Derek. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, um, listen, we're going to get to a little bit more of CFL talk in a second. And certainly we'll get to uh, hockey. It was a slow night last night when it came to live sports without the final, uh, without game three in either the hoops or basketball, or the uh, hockey, I should say. Um, the Jays did get a big win. Kevin Gossman, man, he's been big for uh, for Toronto. Getting them back in the win column against Houston after uh, the Alec Manoa debacle on Monday, which uh, got him on a one-way ticket down to Florida for a rehab assignment, trying to find his game again. But, of course, Remo, yesterday the huge story was everything surrounding this stunning bombshell news that caught literally everybody by surprise, including all the players on players on the PGA Tour, um, that the Saudi Public Investment Fund was now bankrolling the DP Tour, the PGA Tour, and what could mean the end of live. So I, I don't know about you. I mean, I I probably watched at least two hours of the Golf Channel last night. Uh, made a point of watching the coverage, not only in the sports media, but in the news media as well. Bryson DeChambeau was on with Caitlin Collins on C uh, CNN last night. So it has been a huge story. Uh, and all this is about Saudi money that continues to pour into professional sports in a number of different areas. And kind of interesting that today, the biggest story in sports, maybe outside of what's happening on with these golf tours in this merger involves some Saudi money, but in fact, somebody not taking the Saudi money. And that is soccer legend and World Cup champion Lionel Messi, who's moving on from PSG, just playing his final game. And it was rumored that there was something along the lines of $4 million a year on the table for him to go to and play for a Saudi team to sort of finish up his career. 
That's not happening. It was announced today that Messi is going to MLS. He's coming to North America. He'll be playing for Inter Miami, which I believe is David Beckham's squad. And what's incredible about this from a sports business angle is that this contract is going to be in part paid for by Apple and Apple TV, which owns the rights for the MLS broadcast. So, I mean, just str strictly, you know, as soccer continues to explode in popularity here, the MLS continues to grow, the prominence here in Canada of our men's national team rises to the level of our women's team. Um, for an international star, one of the biggest athletes and celebrities, frankly, on the planet, coming to MLS, a huge, huge story. And, uh, and it's just going to continue to uh, boost the fortunes, I think, of the beautiful game, if you will, over the course of the next three years before the World Cup comes to Canada, Mexico, and mostly the United States. Yeah, it sounds like he's getting uh, what a sh some revenue sharing with the Apple Plus signups and adidas also playing a role in bringing messi to north america this apple tv mls deal to me is so interesting um i think it's going the way what everyone wants where you pay one fee and you get every game uh, we're seeing a lot of issues in the united states right now with uh who diamond sports sinclair who owns bally sports their network is bankrupt and we're seeing what uh they didn't pay the padres so the padres their broadcast rights reverted to MLB. And I do wonder if this is going to be some spillover uh, to the NHL. But back to Messi, um, you know, their Apple and Adidas playing a huge role along with uh, Miami. Everything's happening in Miami right now, Huss. You got the Stanley Cup final, uh, NBA final, sorry, Stanley Cup final, NBA finals. Uh, just to clarify, people, that's how they want you to say it Stanley Cup final, NBA finals. And then now Messi uh, going to my. What are you doing with your glasses there? What's going on? I was just trying to. I was just trying to clean them a little bit. I had something on them, and then I don't know. With these cans, putting the putting the glasses on wasn't as easy as uh, as it seemed. Um, but yeah, I, I, listen, the television rights, and this is something that you know is going to affect teams like the Winnipeg Jets for sure. Mm -hmm. Like right now, they've got to deal with TSN. You know, we've been seeing what's happened you know, to the radio broadcasts of a number of teams. I mean, going off of terrestrial radio, and we don't need to get into a radio is dead conversation. We've had those before on this program. I think, but I think TV's dead. T well, it first radio bit the bullet, and now um, there is there is something to be said for television as we know it and sports broadcasting as we know it. Very, very different. Uh, this Bali, for folks that don't know, and Remo, correct me if I'm wrong here, mm. Bali Sports was basically a conglomerate of these local stations that came out of a sale of a whole bunch of pieces for like Fox Sports Midwest and some of those, you know, those uh, regional stations that would pay naming or rights for broadcasting of games. So for instance, the Minnesota Wild were on Fox Sports North and the, uh, the Blues were on Fox Sports Midwest. So they got bought, uh, it was sold and bought by Bally's, which, I mean, I've always remembered Bally's, the Bally Hotel yeah. in Vegas. And they, they just paid the naming rights, Bally's. It was owned by uh, this company, Diamond Sports and Sinclair. Oh, Diamond Sports. Okay, yeah. they did that. So anyways, they put that together. Those are the naming rights. But this... This broadcasting company had it, and uh, 
they were losing billions or millions and millions of dollars. And for the Padres, they didn't pay their bill. And as it pertained to the deal, if they didn't pay the bill, the rights reverted back to the club. Major League Baseball immediately put it on streaming, and I believe they found a way to do it. The Vegas Golden Knights just went into a new deal with a non-traditional station that'll give them a bigger reach in their area. Um, but we really are seeing um, a huge shift in rights fees that have normally been massive, at least on a local level, for a number of those teams. And, you know, you wonder, bringing it back to Winnipeg, I mean, obviously TSN had the naming of the radio rights for the first 10 years. They basically walked away from that deal in the final year of it. And I'm, I, I have no knowledge of what the arrangement is from CGOB to the Winnipeg Jets, but I'd be willing to bet it's nowhere near as lucrative as, you know, the rights were originally in 2011 when they were purchased. And, you know, we're seeing now back to the Bali situation, you know, a number of very, very, I mean, top level sports professionals and broadcasters being left out. And Darren Pang, who has been synonymous with blues hockey for a number of years, sounds like he's going to Chicago um, for a more stable situation. And, um, you know, one of the most talented young broadcasters that does the Kings game is uh, out of work as well after six years. And that was just announced over the last little bit. Yeah, you know, we're kind of going to the, what, a lot of hockey on the ice moves today. It was just Gavrikov sign, signed by L.A. Uh, two years, 5.87. But off the ice, we did it. We do have some big broadcasting moves, and I'm following these very, very closely. Um, it was, yeah, Darren Pink, been with the Blues forever. Well, their broadcast situation is so unknown, they didn't really make him an offer. And he said, okay, I'll go with uh, go with Chicago, who's on, on an NBC regional station. And, yeah, and in L.A., Alex Faust, who's replaced Bob Miller on play-by-play, they just said, see ya. And he's an amazing broadcaster, does national games as well. So I'm sure he'll be fine, but it's just an interesting situation, what's going, going on there. Yeah, so anyway, it's just, you know, with the messy signing, uh, you know, going to Inter Milan and, uh, you know, it is it is a new day. There's there's a, there's a sea change, if you will, in so many different aspects of the business. And we saw it yesterday, catching the entire golf world off guard and um, a little bit more trickle down from this from a very uniquely structured deal to get Leo Messi, the legend to the MLS playing for uh, for Inter Miami. Might have to see when Inter is heading to Toronto and try and uh, try and check that out. Didn't get a chance to see Argentina at the World Cup this year, but uh, anyways, that's a big story tonight. We are back to action on the hard court tonight with the game three of the NBA Finals tied at one one. The Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat in Miami, as you mentioned, the center of the North American sports world right now. Um, but it sounds like uh, Radko Gudis is going to be able to play Remo. Uh, Paul Maurice meeting the media and um, letting everybody know that they still haven't lost at home. They're still very much in this series. But um, I'm really intrigued as to what we get from the Florida Panthers tomorrow, who will be playing for their lives. Not that they haven't done that before in the playoffs. We all remember how they started off at 3-1 down to the Boston Bruins. Yeah, they're going to need uh, a little reset here the, the Florida, try to find the magic that they had. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is going to have to go back to the Bobrovsky of you know the previous series, not the one who got pulled in Game 2. Good news for them. Radko Gudis, good to return. Had the what big hit from the bar bust. Ivan 
Barbashev knocked out for the game and what an ad what an ad he has been and uh I don't know like I think this is done uh give the cup give the cup to Vegas just bring it to Manitoba for the summer so uh I'm I'm counting out Florida I think Vegas if Vegas wins too- how long is the cup going to be here in Manitoba Seriously. a week at least right oh I, I would say more I mean you've got the players on the team <laughs> I'm sure Kelly McCrimmon We'll have an opportunity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Gary's going to find a way to grab it for a day or something like that. I know you're most excited about that. That's probably why I you're told Gary for Vegas. So. Gary's, I said, Gary, invite us to your cup party. We're going to bring the cup on WST if Gary, if Gary, if the Vegas wins it. Um, well, we'll see. I, 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 I think people are. To, I still think Vegas is winning, but it's I done. think that Florida can get back into this series. They're done if they lose this next game. Um, but listen, everyone said it was done against Boston after four games. That's true. What was mm. your take back then after four and be done? Panthers mm. were going to the cup final? Yeah, I picked, I I picked Florida so. to win over Boston, so it was just part of the plan. I was had them on my bracket. So. Should have jumped on that. They were 17-1 to 1 to come back and win that series. I do remember looking at Kuvat one day, and they were plus 1,700 after being down 3-1. to 1, And uh, I don't think there was a lot of people taking that bet uh, at, the, uh, at the time. Um, so yeah, not a ton going on in the, uh, in, you know, the cup final, just practice after the trade day, uh, or the uh, travel day yesterday, but you mentioned Remo, the other shoe sort of dropped with, uh, there was that three-way deal yesterday with, uh, Provorov going from the Flyers to the Columbus Blue Jackets, Cal Peterson, a couple of other players, a first and second round pick going to the Philadelphia Flyers. And what the uh, what the Kings were able to do is get rid of the Cal Peterson contract, which was very problematic for them after he spent the entire year making five million bucks in the American Hockey League. And what they were able to do was re-sign their big trade deadline acquisition, uh, the defenseman Gavrikov, who came over from the Blue Jackets and uh, looks so good on that Kings blue line. And um, they get their guy, an underrated player, I think, a guy that not a lot of people knew about coming out of Columbus to uh, to L.A., but it was quite clear that he was a priority of theirs. And, you know, we got that strange mid-cup final trade, which allowed them to pull the trigger on a deal today. Yeah, some nice work there by by Rob Blake. So, you know, they freed up the salary, uh, trading Walker and Peterson along with Helgi Granz in a second-round pick for Provorov. They, what, and then Blue Jackets also gave the Flyers a first-round pick. This is an amazing trade for the Flyers here. I mean, they had to eat some salary, but uh, that's okay if you're getting all the... I think if you're getting, you know, a bunch of picks. So in the Blue, at the Blue Jackets got Provorov, and uh, L.A. does their, what, does their little move there and re-signs Gavrikov with all the salary. I do wonder now, L.A., what are they going to do in goal? Is it... They have an eye on uh, a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Um, you know, someone was tweeting about UC Soros. Uh, they were t- working on a maybe work on a trade for him. Uh, you know, during the season. So LA, I think they're a team to watch. Uh, they're on their way up, and uh, well, you know, great year last year. They did lose to Edmonton for the second year in a row, but I think they're going to be back. And, We're uh, going to find out a lot about this goaltending market over the next little bit. Um, yeah. You know, with these Carter Hart rumors. What, if anything, happens with Soros and, of course, the interest in Connor Hellebuck and whether one of the NHL teams make Kevin Sheveldayoff a deal, uh, an offer that he can't say 
no two. Um, all right, we're going to talk some CFL in just a second with our guy, Marshall Ferguson. Uh, hey, uh, folks at Manitoba Battery are ready for this summer that is already well underway here in southern Manitoba. Their 10th anniversary continues with a boat battery blowout sale. Donnie just keeps dropping bombshells on the battery buying experience in Winnipeg. And this time it directly benefits all you guys that love to spend your time on our lakes in Manitoba and Northern Ontario. Uh, for you fishermen that need a trolling motor battery or two, listen to these options. You get your regular 10 inch, 140 minute reserve capacity deep cycle battery for 105 bucks. Or you can get a higher quality AGM version of the same 10 inch battery that usually sells for 219 for only 139. Or how about the hot new lithium technology and the 100 amp hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds for just $599, which is a $200 savings any way you slice it. And the Manitoba Battery's got your boat battery needs covered, bringing you the best prices and the most convenient purchasing experience when they'll deliver it for free anywhere else in the city of Winnipeg. Find out more. These incredible prices run on boat batteries until June 17th. For more information on the boat battery blowout sale, head on over to manitobabattery.com. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, need a haircut, guys? You got to get down to Modern Man Barbershops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg and the two newest locations, Pemina Highway and out in Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and Give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. Well, it's been so damn hot lately. Everyone's been trying to find a pool. Probably thinking about maybe getting one yourself. Well, why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. Uh, and a whole home renovation start with Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And as we get to Marshall Ferguson, we got the home opener on Friday. It's going to be hot. It's going to be sunny. And it's going to be a great day to get out by the rum hut, cheer on the bombers, and get your hands on one of those Canadian club and ginger ales. By the way, CC and ginger ale on sale right now at liquor marts and wherever you get them six packs for 1469. And of course, Canadian club, the official spirit of the bombers. It'll be uh, available throughout the stadium. And I know people will be enjoying it um, for as far as cocktails. And of course those Canadian club and ginger ales, you can get those as well at the princess auto tailgate party before the game. All right, let's get ready to kick off. The 2023 CFL season. Who better to do that with than our guy, Marshall Ferguson. Marsh, what is up? How's your winter been? Are you ready for kickoff or what? I just dusted off the podcast equipment right now. If my audio levels are weird, it's because I haven't used any of this crap in forever. So it's uh, it's nice to be able to catch up with you and talk some CFL. I live a very strange existence in my, uh, in my off seasons where... Uh, I basically do the draft, the combine, a couple other little things, and then I just wait for kickoff, and I get very, very lonely, usually right around uh, the start of May after the draft is done. I, I'm like, hey, East-West Bowl, that's awesome. And then East-West Bowl wraps up, and I'm kind of like, 
So I kind of go camping for like a month because I didn't have a preseason game to call this year on CFL and TSN. And then I come crawling out of the woods and uh, and all of a sudden we're back and ready to go. I saw a hilarious tweet speaking of your camping adventures when uh, you were that guy at the campground that needed to get the young kids to stop having so much fun and cool down. And uh, you faked the park pass or whatever. That was the the undercover ranger. I pretended to be uh, a, a person of the park force. Uh, and I, but here's the best part about it, okay? So for people that didn't see this, I put up an Instagram story because um, in all honesty, in our line of work, especially when you're all working on the broadcast and when I used to do radio, I used to do this as well. Um, we talk too much. Like we spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours talking. I don't really love the sound of my own voice that much. Like I'm not one of those ego guys who's like, I need to hear myself talk. So I always take a vow of silence for a full weekend before I go into the season. It's like a detox period where I'm just like, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. My dog is good with hand commands. Like, Hey, you know, come here. That's it's all I have to say. I go out on my paddle board. I go to somewhere really remote and quiet, and I absolutely love it. It just totally refreshes my mind before the grind begins. I did that at Bruce National Park uh, up on the Bruce Peninsula in Ontario, and I was basically settling in the first night that I had gotten there and just relaxing. And it's 10, okay, 10.15, all right, 10.30, and the noise just kept getting worse and worse and worse in the spot. So I walked over with basically up the, the rules of the park that they had given me on my way in. And I don't know when I became this old person who, who gets pissy with the young kids, but I walked over expecting to just say to them, Hey guys, like these are the rules kind of thing. But I was wearing a green sweater that was like kind of, you know, button up or like quarter zip. And I was wearing pants and everything. And I walked over and as I said, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta quiet it down, right? It's like seven dudes that were just going ham. And there were so many drinks on the table and different things to smoke, whatever they wanted out of, and all. And the music's blaring. And I walked over and I pointed. You go, you know, we know we got to, we got to stick to the rules, right? And I realized, oh man, they think I work for the park. And when I realized that, I leveraged it immediately. I'm just like, you know, because uh, you know we don't want to give out tickets, but we will if we have to. And immediately they're like, we're so sorry, sir. We're so sorry. And they shut that bleep down as fast as you could ever believe. And I got my nice weekend of silence. So it was a victory. But uh, I also did some very light and enjoyable reading uh, over the weekend as I'm dealing with a terrible, terrible firestorm going on right now in and around Hamilton. I know you guys and, and a lot of the prairies, especially in the preseason, you're kind of used to like the May, June, if you want to call them like forest fire season where the smoke sometimes can affect kickoff times and all the rest. I got to say, we don't get much of this in Hamilton. This sucks. Like I have an entirely new appreciation for the people that consistently have to deal with this because I went for a 20 minute dog walk like an hour ago. My lungs got tight and I had a headache for 15 minutes coming back from just a simple walk. It's hazy and gross here. So hopefully it doesn't affect any kickoffs, but man, it, it's a real challenge in a lot of places around the country right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've heard that it's impacted some practices of uh, CFL yes. teams out East and um, obviously probably great that this season and the tie cat season is beginning here in Winnipeg, as opposed yes. to a home game this week. Um, let me ask you this just before we get into your thoughts on the two divisions and the teams to beat. Um, what a wild, I, I, I've always loved your analysis on quarterbacks and quarterback play from your background. Um, you literally, I mean, what a carousel of quarterbacks oh. around the Canadian Football League and even guys like Jake Mayer and Vernon Adams. I mean, these are guys that did not start that year last year as the starters for those teams. I mean, 
with the exception of Zach Caleros, um, and of course Masoli, but Masoli missed all of last year. I mean, part of the reason why I think the Bombers are the favorite that they are right now is because there's been so much change in the rest of the league while the yeah. Winnipeg Blue Bombers stay the course with the team that has been the measuring stick for the last three years in the in the game, in the the game league. Yeah, 100%. And it, it goes beyond just the quarterback play, obviously, which we'll get into here talking about week one against Hamilton. But I wrote an article for CFL.ca this morning previewing the Hamilton-Winnipeg game, and I basically said... I'm having crazy flashbacks to 2021 because in 21, the Grey Cup was in Hamilton and week one was Hamilton against Winnipeg in Winnipeg. If you look at what that game was, it was Jalen Acklin and Brandon Banks catching passes from Jeremiah Masoli. We all know that none of that is in Hamilton now. Like not only has that changed, but you're going to have James Butler coming in in place of, you know, what it was in that game, which was Sean Thomas Erlington for his grand total of nine carries because Tommy Condell doesn't want to run the ball ever. And then on Winnipeg, even the guys that left have come back. Like Kenny Lawler was in that game, and he's back in the fold for them. Kolaris is the quarterback. Brady Oliveira was the leading rusher in that game in week one in 2021. Nick Dembski made a bunch of grabs there. You had your usual characters on defense, whether it be Jeff Coat, uh, Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, on down the list. Brandon Alexander was healthy in that game as well because that was the first game uh, after sitting out the 2020 season for everybody due to the pandemic. So, yeah, it's not just the continuity of, of the quarterback play, but certainly when you look around the league, I think what's so in- interesting in this season is that every single quarterbacking situation is different. And obviously I could expand on this for hours because I find this stuff intriguing, but in a simplified version, I would just say in Ottawa, like not only was Masoli out for a big chunk of the year, but he's also going to miss weeks one and two we know now as it was confirmed yesterday by Tim Baines, the Ottawa Sun. So if you have him out, Arbuckle's coming in. Okay, Arbuckle was like four and four last year, whatever it was mediocre, whatever, got Ottawa the only wins that they had on the season. They never won a game at home with him. They never won a game at home all season long. We know that. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, is he going to be the best version of himself since Calgary? Or is this going to be Arbuckle's last chance to really prove himself? And I think that's a fair question because this is the best opportunity in a two-week stretch. They're not even putting the pressure on of, hey, man, the team is yours for the rest of the year. You better figure this out. They're just saying, hey, play great for two weeks and then Jeremiah's back. And like Jeremiah might go out again, but all we're asking you for in the short term is be really good for us over the first couple of weeks. And it's a game in Montreal and it's a game at home against Calgary, which then again breaks up Jake Mayer that you talk about where it's, okay, Jake Mayer, we knew what he was last season. We know what he's been in the CFL. Pretty similar to Nick Arbuckle, where he was a check down guy and a crosser guy and high completion percentage and good accuracy. Very similar to Trevor Harris's style throughout his time in the CFL. But is Jake Mayer going to be that? Is that just who he is? Or is he going to evolve? I don't know the answer to that. I think that's a great question going into the season. What does that Calgary offense become? Or is it already what it is? Is it just going to be go out every week and try and do the same thing repetitively? Which is kind of what I think Saskatchewan's going to be with Trevor Harris. They know what he is. Kelly Jeffers going to build things around him. They're going to try and do that. But what is that going to look like in Saskatchewan when you've got all the pressure going on there with the last year of the contracts of Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson, it's like you can pick every single market to your point and say, okay, I know who that quarterback is. I know what that situation is, but what does it become? Because I think we all understand right now, there's a lot up in the air. We'll all figure it out as the season goes on. But right now to kick things off, week one is such a mystery. And that's why I think the results are totally up. in the. I, I know you're into the gambling aspect of this stuff, Shout out to the gamble. Anybody willing to put money down on this stuff and think you have any idea what you're talking about? I do this for a living studying these guys. I have an idea, but I also was nervous as all hell going into week one with Nathan Rourke last year, and we know how that ended. Yeah, it, well, and what a story he was. And uh, we'll see whether we get a good news story 
Um, well, listen, that was more than good news. I mean, he basically took the league by storm and uh, obviously earned himself an incredible opportunity. Pretty darn good football team down in the National Football League. Uh, for the East, and before we kind of focus in on the Ticats, because, of course, they're the uh, visitors on Friday night, I want to ask you about those teams that are going at it, Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm really high on Ottawa. I think that Bobby Dice, uh, Bob Dice is such a leader of men, uh, and he is so beloved and respected. I have no doubt that his team is going to play their asses off for him. Um, obviously, there's a lot on the coordinators to make sure that things are schemed properly. Um, but what do you make of Ottawa, the the makeup of that team, even knowing that Masoli is going to be out? And, of course, their opponents in Montreal who were sort of behind the eight ball right away, you know, losing Trevor Harris. There was the ownership issues, and they sort of kind of settled for Cody Fajardo, if you will. I mean, uh, of those two teams, do you uh, – does one seem better than the other? And do you see either of those teams being in the mix potentially with Toronto and Hamilton um, when it comes to the playoffs? I think Ottawa has a better chance. I, I really do. I'm with you on that. And I also think that in terms of constructing your coaching staff, the best way to build a coaching staff, in my opinion, in the Canadian Football League is the Winnipeg model. And that's not to say that you have to have, you know, a Mike O'Shea leader of men who's bounced around and done all these different things. I think it's having somebody as a head coach who leans in on a special team's expertise and allows the offensive coordinator to be the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator to be the defensive coordinator. I think if I were building a staff, if I were a general manager, that is exactly what I would want. Because when you have a special teams coordinator, it's the same thing as when Mark Killam was a kind of substitute head coach last year in Ottawa when, when Dave Dickinson couldn't make the trip out east. You end up having a special teams coordinator who knows most of the guys on the roster, like works with most of the guys on the roster day in, day out, can communicate with them and can leave the offense to be the offense, the defense to be the defense, and then just manage the game. This is the whole thing about football, whether it be you know, youth sports, NCAA, NFL, CFL. When you're a head coach, your job is not to micromanage and necessarily to call plays and take over and be in charge of people. Your job is to manage the big picture of the game. It's the job of the coordinators to pick the plays, to call them, to discuss things with positional coaches and get live updates in game from players. Head coaches need to be able to just communicate to the team and look at the bigger picture. Bob Dice can 100% do that. I think Jason Moss can do that too. My concern with this one is I saw what Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo were in Saskatchewan last season. Is it going to be different in Montreal this season? Like that's, that's the question that I have all season long for Montreal. I looked at my schedule the other day. I think I've got nine Alouettes games. Like if you're an Alouettes fan watching English language television, you're going to be sick of me by the end of the year because I got half your games this season. And I, the whole year I'm going to be going through this and saying to myself, what are the differences and similarities of Montreal in 2023 offensively to Saskatchewan in 2022? Where are they different? And is that different better? Or is that mm. different worse? And I think what we're going to end up seeing is that it's going to be pretty much status quo with very similar personnel packages, very similar usages. But here's the problem. If you are, you know, Montreal of 2022, Trevor Harris is a more effective and accurate passer than Cody Fajardo is. We know that. Gino Lewis is a more dangerous downfield threat. We know that. Jake Winicky better over the middle. We know that. Montreal really fell behind, whether it be because of the ownership situation or otherwise, I think, in free agency. And then they got their quarterback and then they got their coach. And since then, I've really been trying to figure out, okay, what are they going to be? Like, what is Montreal's identity going to be? Because if, if Danny Machocha and the Alouettes are just leaning in on 
basically picking up what Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo were doing in Saskatchewan last year, protection issues aside that the Riders had, I don't think it's good enough. I really don't think it's going to be good enough in the East. So I think Ottawa has a better opportunity to be in that conversation with Hamilton and Toronto. Uh, the Hamilton-Toronto discussion, I find to be really perplexing because I don't know what Chad Kelly's going to turn into. Like I said off the top here, I think that there's going to be an evolution as the season goes on. He's going to learn the game. Well, Marsh, but, Marsh, just let, yeah. let me ask you this about Kelly because, listen, I, we know his background story. We yep. know how talented he is. We also know that, um, let's just say to to put it uh, to put it mildly, not the most mature player um, over the course. And I think even still right now, having talked to a couple of guys that are with the Argos, how important is it to be the leader, to be the one at the quarterback position to have that maturity? And can other veteran players around him on a team that did win a championship last year can they fill that void if the quarterback has the talent, but maybe not the uh, the mental makeup of a of a championship QB? I think that teams can do it without having the quarterback be the leader of the room. But I know that the best teams in the Canadian Football League, the quarterback is the leader of the room. That's the difference right there. Yeah. And that's the question for Chad Kelly, because you can do it where you've got other players around that have the capability of, of speaking up and talking. But there's this weird emotional energy that always is in a football locker room when the quarterback isn't the one who's talking. It's almost like it feels as though they should be, but then it's a question of trust and it becomes much more about human psychology than it is about sports psychology or leadership psychology. It just becomes, you know, a defensive lineman steps up and says something and then everybody kind of finishes and they're like, yeah, let's go. And then there's this weird feeling in the room where people look around and they go, man, it's weird that Klaus didn't say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's just this feeling like this, this natural pull towards the quarterback should kind of say this stuff. Cause he kind of has the most to say about when we get out on the football field. My opinion of Chad Kelly this year is he's not going to start the year as the vocal leader. He could evolve into that. If his on field play allows for it. I think everybody knows his potential. We see the physical attributes. We see everything that he can do with his legs. I think that's awesome. But my concern is that he's going to give you, out of every four-game stretch, you know, and they always talk in coaching staffs around the CFL about breaking down the schedule into these blocks. You know, we just, we got to go three and one over the next four. We got to go, you know, two and two because this is a really tough stretch where we're on the road for three of our next four, whatever it might be. And I think in every four-game block, at least for the first half of the season, Chad Kelly is going to give you one game where you're going to go, whoa, Look at look at that arm strength. Look at the throw he made. He's going to be a highlight machine. He's going to run away from people. He's going to be throwing at sidearm and doing all these things that make your jaw drop and make the highlights on SportsCenter. I think he's going to have two games out of those four after that one that's really great and is a highlight machine where he's kind of, eh, I don't know, completes you know 62% of his passes and he's kind of a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio guy and maybe he has a couple of bad interceptions and he's figuring out the speed up here and the 12th guy and all these things. And I think he's going to have one game out of every four where you go, woof. Like some defensive coordinator is just going to toy with him and say, oh, yeah? You think you're just going to come to the CFL and it's going to be easy? Watch this. Because I got to tell you, I was doing the Hamilton Tiger Cats radio broadcast the first night that Johnny Manziel played against Hamilton in his big vaunted start at home in Montreal through four interceptions in the first quarter, first half, whatever it was. And I remember looking at the general manager box next to us in the radio booth from Hamilton and just going, 
whoa, they did not see this coming. Like, it, it was so hyped up the same way that I feel like Chad Kelly's is. And he was just he was just missing guys. Like, he was – Johnny Manziel was not seeing it whatsoever. I'm not saying they're the same guy. I'm saying history has shown us that players of Chad Kelly's natural ability and potential, it just means you haven't done anything yet, as the old saying goes with potential. So I think he's going to give him a, a highlight game. I think he's going to give him a couple of average games. And I think he's going to give you a game that really makes you wonder what is this going to be long-term because having all that energy and enthusiasm is great. Does it equal having a record that gets you first in the East and a, a first round bye and a home playoff game? And I think that's a huge question for Toronto. And that leaves the door open for Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, let's talk about Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, you're there in Hamilton, close to the Ticats. Um, what has the, uh, what's it been like with uh, Bo going to uh, his new team? Uh, what sort of effect will Bo Levi bring to the Tiger Cats? And does he still have it? I'll say this, the Calgary Stampeders and Huff and Dickinson, they've got a pretty good track record of moving on from guys when it is time. Um, uh, Tell us about Bo Levi and this new-look Ticat team, starting with the the QB. Should we blame Bo for bringing uh, the forest fire smoke? from Alberta to Ontario, <laughs> I guess is my, is my first question here because I'm telling you, man, I've lived here for a decade in Hamilton and I haven't seen anything like we got going on right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, Bo is, there's no question that he is reinvigorated. He's excited to be a Hamilton Tiger Cat, which I can't believe that I am saying that sentence. I would not have predicted that a year ago, but here we are. Uh, you know, when we were doing the Grey Cup coverage together on TSN, we were about to start a segment and I kind of tapped him on the arm and I said, I'm just, I'm going to do something fun here. Just rocks. He's like, okay. And we came back and I went, look at us. Just a couple of Hamilton guys hanging out. Bo Levi Mitchell alongside Marshall Ferguson here. And he just looked at me like, dude, like yeah, at that point he hadn't even signed. He's like, what are you doing? If I were to do him that dirty now and say, Hey, look at us. A couple of Hamilton guys hanging out on camera. He would smile ear to ear because he's totally bought in on the whole concept of Hamilton and the cult. I mean, it's so funny, right? Cause it's a culture that, was his arch arch enemy for so long, not dissimilar to what happens a lot of time with Argos and Ticats players. And then you come to the other side and there are some guys where it's like, mm, this just isn't for me, but there's some guys that really just go, Oh, okay. I get it now that like you guys are like angry and defiant. And for Bo to go out in Calgary, the way he did, I think that he is his personality leaving Calgary kind of matches the stubborn personality of the Hamilton Tiger Cats fan base. And I mean that as a compliment to both Bo and to the Hamilton Tiger Cats fan base. Like, stubborn in the sense that, yeah, we might not have won a Grey Cup since 99, but we're going to be here and we're going to be loud and we're going to tell you how great our team is and we're going to punch you in the face on and on and on and on. And we're going to go after this Grey Cup by signing all these people in free agency and we're going to be brash. And, like, Bo wearing the black visor the first day of rookie camp when I was out there told me everything I need to know. It's like he's going to have the black gloves, the black towel, the black visor. The He's just going to be the man in black. He's going to play the villain. He's going to play the whole mental card all year long of nobody wanted me. Calgary gave up on me. Oh, yeah? Watch this. And I think that's really dangerous when you've got a guy with his abilities. Does he still have it? I think yes. I, I think the arm is going to dissipate as his career goes on. I don't think it's gone on him at all. I think the confidence is directly in correlation with the arm. If you're not seeing it, feeling it, and throwing it naturally in rhythm like he wasn't at the end in Calgary, then there's going to be some frustration. You're going to lose confidence, and your arm's not going to look the same. I think he's going to be so confident in Hamilton. I'm not saying he's going to come out and break records and be playing like Nathan Rourke at the start of last year, but I think he's going to have a much more free-flowing game this year to start the season. 
the great thing though is he's going up against Winnipeg in week one on the road in that environment where you got a bunch of pissed off blue and gold fans because they've had six months of sitting around, you know, uh, with this lingering feeling of frustration from the Grey Cup where they lose to the Toronto Argonauts. So it's a fantastic test. It's going to be incredible theater, I think, for Bo to go into Winnipeg because the game he played in last year against the Calgary Stampeders that came right down to the end, like he played more than well enough to be able to win that football game. So he can still muster the ability to go into any big situation and deliver a big game for you. I think he's going to do that several times this year, as long as he stays healthy. I think Hamilton should be the favorite based on Bo's experience over Chad Kelly's potential to win the East. Um, As far as the West goes, I think we realize not only in the West, but in the CFL, the Bombers are the measuring stick. They are the favorites. People will be, I mean, they are the team to beat. The West is so weird because, you know, you've got Saskatchewan and Edmonton trying to move up. You've got the BC that was great. They've lost Nathan Rourke. A lot of pressure on Jake Mayer. How do you handicap the West right now? Do you agree that it's Winnipeg? And then who do you think is the uh, has the best chance of maybe knocking the Bombers off who have owned this division for the last few years? Yeah, I think uh, what I'm kind of Spider-Man meme when it comes to Calgary and Saskatchewan right now they're, they're <laughs> with Mayor and Trevor Harris and those offenses. I think Calgary's going to have a little bit more explosive ability if I had to guess, but the real deal breaker in that one's going to be Keen Schaefer Baker. Like if he goes off and has a great year and gets on the on the same page with Trevor Harris, then I think that could be a real challenge. Braden Lenny is, as well as a great player. I think that could be very, very good for the Riders this year and really help them. But the one I'm most intrigued by, honestly, is the BC Lions. Um, and the reason for that is we all saw what happened with the Jonathan Kongbo uh, <laughs> release and or trade, trade I should say. And, you know, after trumpeting him and then what ended up coming of that and Farhan Lalji with the tweet that said, yeah, he wasn't a fit for the room. And then basically the entire organization of the BC Lions, like with more swagger than I expected going, yeah, we don't need that dude because we've already got this stuff figured out. And if you don't want to be a part of it the way that we do it, then we're good. Kongbo... I mean, I, he has a great work ethic. Like, he's he wants to be a pro's pro. He's been in the National he Football League. He was pretty league. good here. He knows what this stuff is. I think he's a great player. I think he's got a great work ethic. The BC Lions feel very secure in who they are. Apparently. And and that's – but that's dangerous. Like when you When you have a team, like, it doesn't matter – necessarily who the hardest working team is at the end of the year it's the team that knows themselves the best if those dudes living on the west coast are really comfortable with who they are because they believe that what they do can get them over the hump and challenge winnipeg in a bigger and better way i mean who who am i to doubt them they know themselves better than i do certainly so uh i think bc should be right in there alongside winnipeg i i really feel like if vernon Adams jr plays to the best of his abilities throughout the year they've got the potential to, to challenge the bombers I think Calgary and, and Saskatchewan are looking at each other and going to play each other very close. I would expect point differential at the end of their season series will probably be like 10 points. It'll be a five-point win for somebody, six-point win for somebody else. Back and forth they go. And then the one that you got as good a guess as I do, Hustler, is what in the hell are the Edmonton Elks? Because you got a quarterback that hasn't proven himself yet who's coming in a little bit lighter, says that he can you know, run around a little bit more, but he also says his arm is stronger than ever. He's got three great receivers signed in free agency. But what does it mean? Like, it, this is going to be the ultimate, I think, test in 2023 of, yeah, we see the moves. And again, just like Chad Kelly in Toronto, we see the potential of what Edmonton could become offensively. But is that actually what it turns into? 
or is this just one of those big off-season season ticket sales and they don't win a game at home for the first month and all of a sudden confidence starts to wane and Geno Lewis gets frustrated. Uh, but I do think that Winnipeg's at the top, BC right there, and then I kind of got Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton staring at each other and trying to figure each other out right down the stretch. So it'll probably be a crossover conversation by the end, honestly, depending on what Ottawa does, because I don't think Montreal is going to be anywhere else than fourth in the East at this point. Well, you know what, just kind of to wrap that up, I mean, we know the teams that we sort of expect to be at the top, but from what we remember from last season, heading into this year, Marsh, if you had to pick one team that makes the biggest step forward from where they were last season, who is that team? I mean, I want to say the Hamilton Tiger Cats because they, to me, they felt like a fraudulent third in the East. If Saskatchewan would have done anything down the stretch, any anything, there would have been a crossover and the Tiger Cats would not have made that playoff game in Montreal. Hamilton didn't do that. So I want to say them because I think that they are actually going to have to prove themselves in a very real way this year. And I think they have the potential to do that, not just based on all the free agency moves, but there's just that heightened sense of urgency, I feel, in the organization from talking to some people. The other one for me that jumps out, though, is BC. Because, yes, they played at a very high level when they had Nathan Rourke. Like, that was the whole thing. When they had Rourke. When Vernon Adams Jr. came in, he came in, he won that game in Calgary in his first start, kind of figured it out through the remainder of the season. But I think in terms of the consistency of an offense that is built for Vernon Adams Jr. by Jordan McSimmick, we're going to see some different things. I think the level of play offensively of the BC Lions will be better throughout the majority of the year if VA is the quarterback than it was when VA was the quarterback at the end of last year because that thing really wasn't built for him. So, uh, yeah, I would say Hamilton, BC. And, uh, man, if they ended up coming together in a Grey Cup in Hamilton, that would mean going through Winnipeg. And that's a hell of a thing you got to do if you want to go through the Bombers right now. Come on down to Winnipeg. You know what Willie yes. Jefferson says. Uh, Marsh, this has been so much fun. When are we going to see you on the tube? Fill us in on your schedule. Yeah, I'm going to disappear into the woods in Vermont uh, as of this Saturday, <laughs> and then I'm going to pop out of them somehow in Ottawa next Thursday. So I'll have stamps against the Red Blacks on Thursday, and then I've got the Sunday game, June 18th, as well, Hamilton against Toronto, which will be Chad Kelly's home debut and uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's first game against the Toronto Argonauts. So looking forward to those two games in week two. Beautiful. Well, uh, listen, uh, hopefully we can do this again real soon. Cannot wait to get the season going and uh, glad you emerged out of the wilderness and uh, <laughs> ready to get on with some CFL football. It's that time of year, buddy. We'll get after it. Take it easy. Thanks so much. There's Marshall Ferguson. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Marsh. Great to have March on the program to get things going for 2023 in the CFL. Tomorrow night, opening night in the league in Calgary, BC and Calgary, and then right here in Winnipeg on Friday for the Bombers and Ticats at 7.30. Um, Scott Billick's coming up in just a second. Got to give a big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, folks. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. You got to get down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or check them out online at myvita.ca with local delivery options. Barbecue season's in full swing. Vita Health has amazing Vita Market grass fed bison and beef steaks waiting for you. And with Father's Day around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Check out Garden of Life with Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's unique formulas both containing 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. 
seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, the gang at Wallace and Wallace, I got a tweet today from somebody out in, um, <clears throat> in Morden. Of course, there was that horrible fire at Minnewasta that totaled the clubhouse. Well, they're getting ready to build a new one. And lo and behold, who's fencing the whole place? No surprise, Wallace and Wallace. They've been the experts in fencing and overhead doors since 1946. Uh, whatever sort of fence you need, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, they've got you covered. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 for a appointment for a free estimate and you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on lawson road off of keniston uh summer is here fellas how's the closet looking if you need to up your menswear game heading into summer and wedding season you gotta get down to f apparel custom suits beginning at 400 bucks along with chinos golf pants custom shirts both tucked and untucked styles and an incredible selection of menswear accessories 15 percent discount for wedding parties and a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Get down and see him, 190 Smith Street. And you can make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And just before we bring in Billick, should have got Billick a DQ ice cream cake because it's a big day for him. Putting the extra candle on the cake today for the big guy. Of course, if you do need a delicious DQ ice cream or blizzard cake, Nick and Nikki have you covered. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for that. And otherwise, get on down to DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville for the amazing new summer blizzard flavors just as we go through this crazy early June heat wave. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's bring him in, the birthday boy himself. One more ring on the tree for Scotty Billick. What's up? I'm here. I'm here again for 37 years. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, had to wake up way too early this morning to do radio in Buffalo and uh, doing some sea bears work today. But, uh, yeah, just a standard day. Like, oh, doing a little, much sea, anymore, eh? a little sea bears yeah. work today. Well, actually, we'll get to that yeah, in just, a minute. But, yes, an know. official happy birthday from everybody Thanks. in the chat and all of your friends here at WST. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, what uh, What are you doing on the sea bears? Fill us in. You know, we were we were doing the show live yesterday, and right. we were all paying attention to the scoreboard and what was happening in that game. And much like the home opener against that same team, they had a massive lead going into the target zone and then squeaked through with another win. But they're at three and one. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? I mean this is a team that's three out of their four games now they played this year. They've kind of relinquished leads um, in that target score time where it's become very close, right? Remember Chad Postumus saying after the first game, he's like he called it a, 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 a game within a game, uh, and you know it, it, it's it's this weird kind of stop in play where you know they they change it, they put the target score at nine points. That's the thing, like. I think it was 97-81 on the last game, and then they, they came back. The target score was 106 at that point at the nine points uh, yesterday. And it was like 103-103 or 105-103 at one point uh, for Winnipeg. So they've really let teams back into it. It's one of the things I talked to the head coach, Mike Taylor, this morning, and he's like, yeah, like, I mean, we just basically got to settle down in, in these times. It, it's, it's, it turns very much into a possession game because teams can just – build momentum and and just go on these like 
these crazy scoring runs like they have. But, you know, it, it's a team that's bent um, in that time, but they haven't break, broken um, at, at this point. So so that's good. And, and here's an expansion team that's 3-1 and one through four games sitting first in the Western Conference. Or, uh, yeah, I believe it's the Western Conference um, in the league right now. And, you know, they've beaten some good teams. They, they lost to Brampton. Um, but they, but they, they've beaten uh, one of the Scarborough, which is considered one of the better teams come of the year. They've beaten Vancouver twice now, um, so so it's worked out for them. And that game that they lost to Brampton, they lost by four points. So it, they aren't getting, um, you know, they aren't getting trucked, you know, by by teams in their first year, and they're playing well. So, and, and they have a good team. Like I mean, you look at Teddy Allen; he had forty-two points in the Scarborough game. Last night or yesterday, I guess yesterday afternoon, he had 22 um, again to lead the team. They've gotten Jelani uh, Watson Gale, the Brit. Um, I talked to him this morning from his hotel room. Funny story about that. He uh, he couldn't figure out how to work the phone in his hotel room, so he asked if we could do FaceTime audio because like because <laughs> he has no idea, right? Like you would call like one, but like for him, it's like four four, and then whatever the number is. So like <laughs> it's a completely different number, right? It's so funny. So he's like, yeah, I can't. He's like, I can't work the phone in here, man. So can we do FaceTime audio? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's not a problem. I didn't even didn't even think about that. But he had no idea how to use the phone. <laughs> it's the first time in in Canada. So it, that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you know, just talking to him and 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 you know, this road trip has has really helped the team kind of gel a little bit, right? Get to know each other. For sure. The one thing about these teams is they're thrown together, you know, relatively quickly. Um, training camp isn't very long, and you really have to perform, right? That's you can get really behind in this league. You only play twenty games, um, and and so you know. But Winnipeg is just you know has played really well, and 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 they built these big leads up in games enough that it, it's held them in, you know, for three of the four games that they've won or uh, that they've played and they've won so far. So yeah, it's it's. I don't think this team could have imagined a better start. Um, and, you know, it, it just follows that first game that we were both at. I mean, and, and they're back here on Monday. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be Well, let's talk about that. They, up, they, yeah. They've got the, I mean, they're 3-1. and one. They're taking on the uh, Saskatchewan Rattlers. Yeah. I guess that's a rivalry game just by yes, definition, yeah. just by yeah. definition on Friday night. They'll come back on the weekend. And then we've got two home games next week, Monday against the Edmonton Stingers. And then the Seabird is going to be hosting the Brampton Honey Badgers, the team that gave them that one loss so yep. far. They're three and two on the season on Thursday. What do you, um, I, I'm not sure whether you have any information on this, or, or but I've what do you think those yeah. games are going to be yeah. like compared to the opener? Because that opener was such a smashing success for the organization, for the city, for everyone that was there. Yeah. I'm really interesting if they're going to be able to kind of keep that momentum going after the first game. Um, because I think they did everything they could to try to get people interested for future games. Yeah, a hundred percent they did. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I was, I mean, I, we talked about this last week or the week before, whenever it was, I was on after the, and I was blown away by how good, not only the presentation, but just like the atmosphere the, um, it, it was just, it was really good. It, it looked great. I mean, the, the, it looked like an NBA kind of court, Way they had it set up. I mean, obviously in a big stadium, so that that helps. Um, but yeah, it is. I, I'm waiting to hear. Uh, I haven't heard any numbers yet. I, I put the request in, but waiting to hear. But you know, I think you know, you come home four and one potentially. Um, you know, even three and two. 
know, I think there's some buzz around that. I think there's some buzz around this team being first place right now. I think there's some buzz, but it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm interested. I mean, I think everybody has kind of talked about, okay, that first game out of the way, what what is games, you know, two to, to 10 going to look like in terms of um, fans and all that. But I, mean, I, I think there was an appetite. I mean, even if, even if they don't, you know, set a record in game two. I mean, if you, you get five, 6,000 fans out there, I mean, it's doing pretty good. And well, anyway, it's this. like, it's a good it was, start. So. Yeah. It was 4,400 or whatever was the, was the previous yeah. record, record for CBL yeah. attendance. And you had that awesome first game. I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping that they average over that this year. And I think it is definitely possible. I think it's definitely possible. I'd love to know yeah. if they sold a bunch of season tickets after that. And I don't really know. I'd love to find out more actually about their operation. I know Jason Smith is running it. Obviously David Asper is involved, but um, you know what they're doing, kind of connecting to the business community and people to sell season tickets. Cause I really do think that if they had the manpower and the human resources power to actually go and get into the oh, yeah. community and ask people to do that. I think people will give this a chance. So anyways, we'll see what happens. One more game on the road and then two next week. And we'll certainly uh, chop that up here after uh, it was fun yeah. watching everyone follow the chat in the chat yesterday. Talk about that. Speaking of which the chat has gone completely off the rails already today. And the carpet already. The, the, the like why not question over. of the day. It's just basically a hot dogs versus hamburger <laughs> debate. <laughs> Oh, geez. Do you have a take on that, Scott, before we get uh, serious? If 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 I would have a hot dog over a hamburger, uh, or, or vice versa. Uh, to me, probably a hot dog. Like, like, there's something about a good hot dog that, you know, it just... It, burgers can be great, don't worry. And I think I'm going, like, fat burger tonight for supper because I love fat burger. And, Ooh, you know, nice. fat burger for a fat boy here. So, um, but no... Uh, I, but just like a good hot dog, especially at a sporting event, Agreed. like I don't know, I don't know if there's anything like it, right? Like I had one at Yankee Stadium when I was there a few years ago, and like I was just like, man, this it, it, it just tastes better, right? There's such a placebo effect of like, I mean, this hot dog might suck, you know, outside of this venue, <laughs> hey. but it just tastes better because I'm in this venue. Might you I, know, like, might I interest you in a 32 inch dog? I, so at the Bomber game on Friday night. So, like, I was talking to this about Kenny, like, <laughs> Kenny Weave, and, like, so we're already going to try and do the the Gold Eyes one this year, and now we might have to try and do the... the Grand Slamwich. And so, like, the, yeah, the Grand Slamwich. But, I mean, 32 inch, like, I'd love to try and tackle that myself. I don't think I could. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of meat. Uh, and that is, that's a hell of a meat missile, I'll say that. I mean, that is a... That is a look at that. There, yeah, there it is. I bet Jamarcus Hardrick could eat that, though. I've heard how how much that guy can eat when they go out for steak on on their steak nights that they go when they when the when Colorado's takes the whole line out, and that guy can eat. I, but I don't know. I mean, that thing is huge. But I'd love to split that with Kenny. Uh, well, if I think you'd like to be part of our too. team, I mean, we are. This is a <laughs> content. This it? is a content opportunity just waiting to happen, Scott. So if you'd like to, we were talking oh, about getting a bit of a crew. To get into one of the grand slamwiches at the Gold Eyes. By the way, Fish won six to yeah. one today. Six thousand kids. Uh, yeah. But that that one looks amazing, and I think it's got oh. bacon and pierogi pieces and all that. Thirty-two oh, inch dog, the yardstick or the yard dog, that it's yeah. called. 
So, um, so yes, maybe at some point this season we'll put it together. We'll get Remus to get the camera out. I'm not sure how much Reem would help out being a part of the eating team. What? But um, yeah, I, you, I could eat. I could eat at least a foot of that. Two feet. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, Seriously? hey, oh, then, and then he's 32. Try. So at least a foot or two. I mean, 16 is half. So I could you think eat, you're, I could you're in half. for half a dog. I could. Oh, I'm good for half, half a dog. Half. Easy. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Easy. Well, we'll. We will, we will make that happen very, very soon. Easy. Hey, I want to talk hockey for a minute, but um, sure, yeah. just quickly, speaking of that yard dog, uh, man, Friday's going to be fun. Um, the last preseason yeah. game on Friday was great. It was so hot and sticky, but yeah. the people were there, were hot. They were thirsty. They were yeah. excited for uh, Pigrome when he was out there in the second <laughs> half, but now it is uh, playing for real. It seems like the Bombers are getting most of the – Big guys back outside of Kenny Lawler as we wait to see if his yeah. immigration issues can get fixed up. But what a way to start off the season with Bo Levi coming in as a Hamilton Tiger Cat to take on the Bombers, who are the standard right now in the Canadian Football League. Well, and just listen to Marshall Ferguson while I was in the green room before, just talking about, you know, Hamilton could be that, you know, it, this, I don't know what you call Hamilton this year, but having Bo Levi always gives you a chance, I think, right? I mean, I that's one of the, one of the things that we've learned about Bo Levi, we'll see what kind of father time um, has done to him and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I just think it's going to be uh, the first game of the season, like the proper first proper regular season game for the Bombers is always good. And and I, I'm, I'm so interested to see how good the Bombers actually are, right? Like you don't get that in the preseason games because these guys barely play. But, I mean, they have – like you know, obviously Tyrone. Uh, what's his last name? Pig Pig Home. Pig Rome. Pig Rome. That's Rome. it. That's Pig why they Rome. call him Piggy T. Pig, Piggy T. <laughs> That's incredible. Nick. Um, I love it. it. It's simple yet effective. But um, no, like I, I'm excited to see how he is is worked into the offense. Like obviously they had Prukop last year, and the way that he was able to, he was automatic on three and ones on. On pretty much anything, goal line. I mean, they've they've been blessed with like the Strevlers and the Prukops, and 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 now we'll see how Pigram um, does. But it, it's going to be. It, I I'm excited to see the receiving core um, because it's probably yeah, well, it is the best in the and even without Kenny Oliver, it's still the best. Excited to see what Brady Oliveira can do. Um, yeah, how good that defense is going to be. I mean, I think there's a, there's just a lot to be excited about with the Bombers because it's like. You know, I think the question was, I don't know if this was on your show or where I was listening to this, but it was like, who's 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 the second best quarterback in this league? Who's the best quarterback in this league if it's not Zach Lars? Because Zach Lars is so far above, um, you know, everybody else. And, like, we know that this, this league is driven very much by how good your quarterback can be. And, and so the Bombers have the best quarterback in the league by, by a country mile. And I, I just think that this is a team – I mean, we're hyping it, but I mean, how how do you not hype this team? I and mean, they've been to three straight Grey Cups. They've won two of them, um, and and I think there's a, a bit of unfinished business from last year because I think you know it was obviously a surprising loss for the Bombers to to lose, given how good they were that season. But this year, it just seems like you know this team's on a mission, and 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 that continuity within this team. There's so many players back, and. Um, that, that have played on, almost on all of these championship teams that, that they've had since 2019. And and I think there, there's a lot to be said about that in this league. I and mean, we've heard Michael Shea talk about it. We've obviously heard Zach Claros talk about it. 
especially with his receivers, especially with his offensive linemen. Um, you know, all these things, like this is such a well-oiled machine right now that it's hard to see, you know, well, we'll see where the Bombers are, where they're at. Um, but I'm also excited to see uh, Jameson Sheehan and his punting because here's a guy, I mean, I don't know how much. Uh, this is the uh, Aussie or the 36-year-old oh, guy? He, he's the Aussie, right? And so here's the guy who <clears throat> he can kick it a bunch of different ways, and he's pretty good at, at, at locating, and, and his accuracy is pretty good. Um, he's a weapon, I think, on the punt team. I, and, and I think this is the reason why he won the job. I mean, it was – uh, well, I mean, you know, you, you supplant Mark Legio. I mean, they just straight up cut Mark Legio, and which is, you know, tough, obviously, to see Legio, um, you know, go, I mean, given, you know, kind of what he's kind of meant to the team and what he, <laughs> and some of the, you know, I guess, controversial moments of, of his of his time in Winnipeg. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they, how they kind of let the Aussie kind of do <laughs> his thing, because he can do a few different things with those balls just based on, playing Aussie rules football back in back home. So fully it's here, for, <clears throat> fully here yeah. for punter talk. And let's yeah, face yeah. it. The thing I'm most excited about, <laughs> I haven't seen is if he's going to be able to blow a guy up or two, because those <laughs> Aussie rules guys, I mean, they're yeah. known to tackle, by the way, shout out to Travis and MC stormy who have already made super chats for the yard dog fund here on WST <laughs> and Ben Howard, just before we get to jets talk, has popped in, and I actually wanted to ask you about this as well. Scotty, which D4 class did you pick first? Uh, when you were so on the sure. show last week, you were just yeah. about to enter the world of Diablo 4 and predicted yeah. that you might have very little sleep. Were you correct? Were you correct yeah. in that assumption? <laughs> and uh, how is this game? Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm playing a sorceress. Um, so I'm level, what is it, 54 right now, I think. Uh, I have it up. Hilariously, like I'm, I'm actually sort of making look here. I've been playing a little bit of it today, um, while whilst I'm working. But um, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's been fun. It's it's. I, I mean, I I love the Diablo games. I've played them since I was a kid, um, since the first one came out. And I think that was like I want to say '98 or '99. Like it's been that long. Um, and I just it, it's it, yeah it's hilarious because like the play would you know it's it's pretty monotonous like you just keep doing the same thing over and over again but uh, you don't go insane and it's a lot of fun so uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, yeah we'll see I'm gonna be on a new character eventually here too so keep doing it it's all about having a ton of characters. Do you do your games on PC? <clears throat> like on um, Steam? Yeah, most of them. Yeah, like uh, I had, uh, I, I haven't bought into. Hmm. The new Xbox or the PS5 yet? So at some point I will. I love Gran Turismo, um, one of my favorite games of all time. But I just, it's always like I mean PC. Like I have a pretty, I have a pretty good PC. Like I, I built it. It's it. I custom build all my stuff. But, um, and that's not a humble brag. I just like I like to, uh, I like to, I, I like them to be very. Uh, I like my PC to be very powerful, and, and so it is. And uh, and it's just like I mean. My PS5, I could buy one, but my video card costs like the same amount as two PS5s, so it's kind of ridiculous. Like, but oh, so I just can't, I can't find the money to to buy a PS5. But I, I, at some point, I will, and uh, I can play some Grand Turismo again. Well, so. just quickly, thanks to Patrolman <laughs> Pete and Colorado Lowe's. It's Colorado Lowe's is stepping up. We're pretty much we're gonna have to do this we're now. I want a video it. of Remo eating half of the yard dog. I'm down oh, yeah. for half of the yard dog. 
and uh, the super chats oh. are coming in. This kid, I hope you're hungry, Remus. As he, Remus, you better like Girls. you're gonna have to fast for about four days. <laughs> uh, we're gonna, we're gonna see how it goes. Well, so. that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a great a great way to kick off the season. If we go, can we go Friday morning and they have one ready? We can just eat it at the stadium and then we'll have the video for. What you want to do in front of the fans? What about the game? We got to do that at the game. I don't know if I'm going to be at the game um, Friday, but well, Well, you know what? Listen, it's work. It's the bomber home opener. You're a big sports personality in (laughs) the city. Pretty bad look if you're just not going to go to the game. I'll tell you, I got to go eat this hot dog. Nothing like public pressure. Yeah, exactly. Well, we can go there early enough that there won't be a huge crowd. And actually, it'd be better for uh, for streaming it. Anyways, that listen. Well, that's what I was gonna say. If we go early on Friday, we can have it for the show. For the show well, you Friday, you could do live. Right? You could do a live stream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you still can't. You can't get out of the way as long as I people are watching. Go and eat it in front of a million people. Well, you know, you believe me. I mean, you've usually got a couple thousand chasing you, screaming with autograph pads and everything like that. Anyway, so I'm surprised you're not used to this by now. Um, Let's get, actually get serious for a minute, Scott, because sure. we are this now is serious. Okay, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It is. It is. Um, we're now uh, uh, what? Just three weeks away from um, literally the first round yeah. of the NHL draft, and of course, we're going to be out there. Shout out to our friends at Coolbet for uh, for those shows all week long. Really looking forward to that. But we've already seen a little bit of movement right now. There was that trade yesterday. It was very interesting to see. Cal Peterson get moved yeah. off of that Kings um, salary cap, but also what it cost to, to do that. I mean, you got picks going to Philly, a couple players, obviously they gave up Provorov, but um, we're hearing Carter Hart might potentially be on the move. Uh, that's yeah. name Soros has been out there. And I mean, with Askarov being a first round pick for them, ready to kind of make that move up to the league. You wonder about, but to me, the goalie market still starts and ends really with Connor Hellebuck. And um, when you hear about the amount of interest and 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 a number, the fact that I heard was it Darren Drager saying that that there's a ton of discussions going on right now with NHL general managers, and yeah. uh, would be surprised if it wasn't Kevin Chevaldeoff in about half of those conversations right now. But um, yeah. now that we've seen a deal happen, and we're moving closer to the draft. What is your sense of? Um, you know, where we're at with Winnipeg and the potential that some of these significant pieces could be moved. And, of course, the fact is, you know, Elliot Friedman was very, very clear in stating, presumably this is coming from the Jets, that this is not a rebuild. I know we had fun calling all the different R words and what you could be, but uh, this Jets situation right now, as we get closer to the time where some shoes are going to drop right now when it comes to this trade market without a lot on the UFA market coming on the 1st of July. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know what the sense is right now because, you know, it is, you're right. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I was listening to Jeff Hamilton earlier this week. I think it was earlier this week on your show talking about, well, maybe they don't move some guys. And I'm like, you know, and something I, obviously I don't think is what they should do. But I do wonder, right? I mean, it's one of those things that you kind of have to consider, I think. You know, are the Jets, you know, I, I think they're going to move somebody, right? Like, I mean, I think if you're going to retool, well, you, you don't retool by just running it back. I mean, retooling is, is I mean, you have to move something out. But I, I think you you can't just move, like, Connor Hellbuck out and expect this team to win, right? I mean, 
you're really getting rid of your best player for the last X number of years who's dragged you in the playoffs over and over again. Um, you can't get rid of him. It, it, you know, he, I think you have to get rid of some of the guys. That, well, for sure, Blake Wheeler, I think, maybe chief among them, and, and then potentially Mark Shifley. But how do you – like, here's the other thing. It's like if you can't – if you can't re-sign these guys, like if you, if you know you're not – you know, Shifley's not going to re-sign, Hellbuck's not going to re-sign, obviously you're not going to re-sign Blake Wheeler, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is, isn't going to re-sign in the year. Like, I don't know how you avoid a rebuild, you know, because – like it, it's possible. It's possible you find a team. Let's say you Buffalo, right? Like, you know, trade Hellebuck to Buffalo. I don't know if that's you know a thing. It's something I you know looked at when I was writing my Hellebuck story uh, last week. But you know, maybe you know you could get Peyton Krebs. Maybe you get Ukopeka Lukanen, and maybe a you know a first round pick, something like that. But is that retooling a team? Like, is your team better or worse at that point? You know, if you let's say you lose those other two, short term, you're worse in every single situation if Connor Hellebuck's I, I not agree. on your team. I agree, and so like, <clears throat> I the retooling thing, like, I wonder. You know, one of the things that happens with these insiders, and this isn't a shot at insiders or anything like that. I mean, they do their job; that's what they do. But sometimes, as an insider, you, you get fed some information that you, you're supposed to put out, and. And, and, and it, it's, it's the message that the team wants out there. But I sort of agreed with Jeff when he was talking about it. It's like, well, maybe that's just what they want to see. Okay, you know, put that out there. See how that kind of makes people feel, right? Um, how, how are the fans going to respond to that, that sort of thing? And I don't know. Like, I, I disagree that there's less appetite for a rebuild in this market. I think you can sell the idea of an if there's some hope attached to it, right? You get a, you know, a really good first round pick or you get some really good prospects out of this trading. These guys are over. I think you can do that. I mean, my, I'm, I almost defeat this myself though, because I think they've done this so often that they've just kicked this can down the road and, and preached hope in, in the next big star come out, whether it was Ehlers or Connor or, you know, way back Truba or Morrissey. And right now, Rucker, McGordy, and, and guys like that, right? Like, there's always going to be like this big name, and Brad Lambert. There's always going to be these big name prospects that you hope come up and and play well for the team and, and turn this team into to a contender. But at some point, you have to build around these guys, and that's the one thing that they didn't do with a guy like Connor Hellbuck. Is never really built around him, and and now you've kind of put yourself in a situation where probably the best thing organizationally is to trade him and try and get as much as you can for him. But I don't know I don't know what this team is looking to do. And and so this is part of the problem when you ask these questions at the end of the year and you're just looking for a hint of a of a vision on this team. And then you hear from Elliot Freeman who's not the GM but you know he's probably speaking for something that he was told by Kevin Chevaldeoff. You're wondering if you know is it really are they really looking to just retool or do they know that you you can't just go out and get a first line center for a first line center, a second line center for a second line center, a starting goaltender for a starting goaltender, right? Like well, at least one that's got how term. How do you do that? At least one that's got term well, or under team well, control, exactly. which and so to that's me the is the priority. Problem. But if you're looking for term, you're probably looking for guys that are younger, right? You're looking for guys that you have not only have some term, maybe just coming on their second year of a, but there'll be an RFA at the end of it, so you still have some control in that. But those aren't necessarily going to be stud star players like i mean if you can go to montreal and trade Pierre to and get kirby doc back well that that's a good trade but are you are you better 
at right now with Kirby Doc than you would be with Pierre Luc Dubois signing a uh, lot longer term here. I, I don't know, right? That's I mean, different though. And again, this not. all comes down to the semantics yes. of what people describe as a rebuild. Like I'm with them. If, sure. if what you think a rebuild is, is scrapping it down to the studs and being like the Blackhawks were last year, the Coyotes, right. that's absolutely not happening. There's too much talent on this team. And, you know, it would take a long time to get to that point. I don't think anybody has the appetite for that. But I also think that Winnipeg fans are smart enough to realize that some of these moves are made by, are forced into be making by the situation. And you know yeah. what? If you traded one of those guys, let's just take a hellebuck for a guy like Peyton Krebs and a first round pick and a goaltender. And then, you know, Shifley's moved out for another player that, you know, obviously isn't going to come in right now and score 42 goals, but could yeah. be part of, you know, moving forward with, you know, and could be part of a new core on the club. I think people would get behind that. Frankly, I think that would really excite the fan base. Like, I'm not sure whether there's a worry within, you know, the management um, management's office that people are going to think that the Jets are just throwing in the towel and there's no reason to follow this team or buy tickets or go to it this year. I mean, I, I really don't get that. And to be honest, I think the more moves that they do, the more fired up this fan base is going to be and the more they'll frankly buy in to moving forward because it's very clear that yeah. some of these moves have been overdue and now it's time to do that. And and the, the whole thing about kind of running it back and not trading those guys, like the only way that happens is if you have extensions for these. I don't think they're going to even get to that conversation with Mark Shifley. And if they find out or if they've already found out that Dubois is not interested and Hellebuck's not interested in re-signing, there is literally no other option. I, you know, Having them play yeah. out their contract and go wherever for nothing, to me, is not something that's in the best interest of the Winnipeg Jets, and I don't think there'd be any disagreement in Kevin Sheveldayoff's office, or Mark Chipman for that matter. I agree. I mean, I, I think we saw this a few years ago with Columbus when they decided the deadline to keep Panarin and, and these guys around, and you know, you ended up losing Ask all these Brad guys. Brad on how it happened with Johnny Control. Well, that's the other thing too, right? It's just like, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's that's part of the worry when they do this. But you, you see how much this team, this organization, has trusted this core, and and I think you know, there's there's other parts of this. Like, I think Mark Shifley, and, and I wrote about this. He's a tough player to trade for this team because what he means to the organization, from being their first pick. To being, you know, the face of the franchise, the poster child, his his links with Dale Howarchuk and he that sort that of thing. Anymore. He is not that anymore. He isn't. He isn't that anymore. But I, but I mean, I think you know Blake Wheeler too. Like Blake Wheeler signed here. He was like one of the guys who was like, yeah, I'm going to commit basically the rest of my career to this place because, and and that means a lot in terms of how loyal this club is to a lot of its players, especially the guys that commit a long time here. So, I, I think I think. There's an element of needing to read the room here. Like that, I, I, that I, I is, totally agree with and, you. And, and I, I think totally agree with you. 95% I, of people that follow this club and people in the organization think, as well, it's reading the room. And this is no disrespect. These guys are totally. going to be remembered fondly later on. Wheeler will have his number up there. Shifley probably as well. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But at this totally. moment, those two guys, I hate to say it, but are more liabilities to moving forward and creating what they're looking to do and move past where they've been. Uh, and and, that, and that's why I don't think they're 
I don't think they really get to. I could be wrong on this, but I would be stunned if we're hearing talks about an extension with Mark Shifley. And as far as Blake goes, I mean, the conversation's been had over and over again, and it was really magnified a lot more after those uh, uh, end-of-season interviews that, you know, it's time to move on and really get new voices and new leadership with this Winnipeg Jets team. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you need to buy Blake Wheeler out because I don't think there's a better way to do it. I don't think, unless you find a third broker, and even then, I, I just think that, like, I just don't, see, I, I think you buy him out. But I think for the Jets, in, in terms of these deals, you got to start looking at, you know, do you look at a team like the Boston Bruins? or so, You want to go to places with Mark Shifley, especially Mark Shifley, and, and maybe even player, Pierre Dubois where you can leverage other teams. Like you don't have to trade Pierre Lacroix to Montreal. There'll be a lot of teams lining up that will want, and I, I think Colorado might be one of them. Do you want to trade in the division? I don't know. I don't really care. I mean, at this point, you probably just want to get the best offer that you can. Pierre Lacroix goes to Colorado. Landis Gog's not playing all next year. They need a center. Um, <clears throat> you know, they can get him cheap because he just signs his QO or whatever. You know, they, they sign him to a one-year deal. It's not a big deal. Um, and you try and see what you can kind of recoup from a Colorado, or you go look at a Boston who might lose their two top two centers of all of Krejci and Patrice Bergeron. They're going to need, they're going to need centers. And so how can you leverage that? They're going to have some cap space. Can you trade Mark Shifley to a Boston Bruins or, or, or a Carolina Hurricanes where you can go into those teams that are dealing with some cap stuff and try and say, okay, well, can we get Zach, Pavel Zacha and, and Brandon Carlo, or can you, can you get Martin Natchez or can you get you know, potentially maybe even Seth Jarvis, right? Is there enough that you can do with these teams and try and leverage those teams that need certain pieces to keep their windows going? And, you know, I think North Carolina, you know, do they need Mark Shafley? I don't know, but you'd like those 42 goals in this playoff scoring because that's the big thing. They didn't, they didn't have problems with goaltending or defense or any of that. It was just they couldn't put the puck in the net. For Boston, you know, I think they still think their window is open, even if they lose Bergeron, which seems crazy because how good Bergeron's been. But you know, if you can re, if you can retool, let's call it that, in Boston, with another top center, Mark Shifley, who who can give you the goal scoring and all that sort of thing. I don't There's know. There's a lot it, of all it, that it, on Bergeron's game that unfortunately does not come well, with the package true, when you acquire Mark Shifley. But but I think Mark Shifley, like if Mark Shifley's smart. And he knows that around the league, there's been this, um, let's say Mark Shifley's reputation has taken a bit of a hit, let's say, over the last couple of years, right? Just Big time. I don't think, I think going to a team like Boston or going to a team like Carolina and playing for Rod Brindamore is a yeah. good idea for Mark Shifley's career and a good idea for his financial end of his career of, of signing a long-term deal somewhere where you can go to one of these places and learn from, you know, Brenda Moore or even Jim Montgomery in, uh, in Boston, you know, one of these kind of, you know, Boston's not going to take any crap. You know, you're going to walk into a Boston room. You don't have to be a leader. You don't have to do whatever. That's all there. You can learn from the culture, that sort of thing. Same thing in Carolina, right? You got walk into Carolina. You don't have to worry about being the guy, right? I mean, you're going to be the guy in terms of scoring and all that kind of stuff, power play or whatever. But you don't have to be that that leader on that team. So you can just focus on playing hockey. And I mean, if you can go and if you know, here's the thing, I get to make or break thing. Like, I mean, I think if Mark Shifley goes to like Carolina, let's say, and he doesn't figure it out under Rod Brindamore, if Rod Brindamore can't fix Mark Shifley, well then Mark Shifley's got some problems. But at the end of the day, I think Mark Shifley has it in him. I just 
I don't think it with this team, the way that this team, the, the Jets team has kind of allowed him and Blake Wheeler to kind of do their own thing. And that will change when you go to another team that's not going to allow that. And that's part of the reason why the Jets, I think, need to get rid of both him and, and Blake Wheeler, but also the reason why Mark Scheife needs to go to a different team that has way more structure than the Jets have yeah, had over the years. And here's to, the other thing. Here's the other thing. If you're yeah. bringing back Rick Bonus, which they are, which they are, which they are oh, how do you it, do? It, yeah. it almost would be unfair and I think untenable yeah. um, to bring those guys back. And listen, Blake. Yeah. Uh, I, Blake, I, I, Blake I has to go, doesn't he? Like, well, he has here's to the go. thing. Here's the thing. I mean, when if we're talking about just simply on the ice. Blake did a lot of good things last year, exceeded my expectations both in the regular season and the playoffs, to be on frankly honest. But but this isn't about that. It's never about on the but, ice with Blake. Where, right? And when it's it comes about... to Mark, I mean, listen, yeah. we saw what happened the last few weeks of the season, even though Shifley wasn't in that last game. I mean, the, I fully believe the reason why Bones, when he erupted the way he did after game five, made a point of mentioning the last couple months is because it wasn't just... Yeah about the guys that played in game five against Vegas. And he was a big, big part of that. And listen, for Dubois, like if we get to the point where all these guys are not traded, the guy that I think fits the best, at least in a jet uniform <clears throat> at the beginning of next season, Hellebuck's different. I mean, listen, if you can keep Hellebuck, yeah. great. But is Dubois, like I think Dubois comes back and if Dubois is in the locker room next year, he fits in with the guys, no problem. He'll play hard, he'll do his thing. But if he's not signing, it is incumbent on Chevaldeoff to trade him at a certain point. But listen, a, a, a Dubois on the market at the trade deadline? Think about the prices for some of these guys last year. But don't you think he's getting offer sheeted, though? Like, do you not think like it's an immediate offer oh, sheet? Well, listen, Dubois if, if that, that if, well, if that <laughs> happens, then this entire but, but, conversation but that, is moot. Offer sheets are still really, really rare, Scott. I, I get it, but but my problem with the rareness and all that doesn't matter when you can get Pierre-Luc Dubois for a first and a third. And, and, and if you don't, the Jets can't trade him during the regular season, right? Can't trade him. It walks him right to free agency. Like, I don't think the Jets, the Jets have to sign him before July 1st because if they don't, then you, you can't allow the risk of the offer sheet because you're not going to get back what you would want. Like, how are you retooling with a first and a third is all I'm saying, right? And then if you do sign them, mm. it's just a pure rental for the whole season and you have no chance of trading. And like, that's a huge problem, right? Like that's, that's a massive problem. I, I so I think like Pierre Lutois has to be sorted out way before, well, not way before, but before July that first. Right. And so you have less than a month mm. now to, to deal with because you can't take him in. You can't, you'll, I, I just, I don't think he gets through the summer without an offer. That's all. I think it's too easy for a team just to do it to make sure that he hits free agency. Because what's the risk between, like we've seen Montreal do it with Sebastian Ajo. I, I get it was Mark Bergevin, different team. Yeah, but I that, could that totally was just see a, Montreal doing it. That was an FU battle between, <laughs> between the Canes you, and the Habs. But it, but if you're a team and, I, you know, if you're the Habs right now, like why wouldn't you offer sheet Pierre Dubois? Like but Pierre Dubois is going to completely sign that offer sheet, especially if he wants to play in Montreal, right? But it's going to be a one-year offer sheet. And so he can go and play at home and then figure out what he wants, if he ends up signing it or not. Or the Jets, you know, have him, and then it, it walks him right to free agency and the Jets get nothing for him. That is not – I don't think that's an option. Like, I don't it's, – it's a very risky option in my – that's all. 
Yeah, well, listen, I mean, as I said, hopefully I would imagine there's a good chance that all this is moot and we get some clarity before uh, sometime when we get to uh, we get to Nashville or we get closer to, uh, you know, the first round on uh, Wednesday, which is three weeks today. Billick, happy birthday, man. Get back to your game and uh, enjoy the fat burger tonight. I will. I was, uh, if we have two seconds here, the live thing, like how screwed was right? Like does the PGA tour or Rory macro like $800 million or something like that? Like he could take, like it, it's so dirty what the PGA tour did to him, right? Like, yeah, I mean, listen, not just him. I mean, Hideki so, well, was apparently sure. rumored to have 300 mil. I mean, I, 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 I still dirty. have not even been able to fully wrap my head around okay. all, all right. of this. I mean, what it means. We've got Mark Sacchino coming up right now from yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, Oakdale in Toronto. Um, yeah. He was there for Rory's speech this morning. And the one thing I'll yeah. say about Rory is that he, I mean, listen, he's got more class and more integrity than most, certainly in that game. Yeah. And I would say most in the world of sports. He's showing it right now. But I don't think that the, of anyone that maybe wasn't caught off guard by this, I'd say Rory McIlroy's pretty much at the top of that list. Because if you saw some of his comments in the past, what he suggested, what he thought would end up happening is basically happening right now. I think this is just a lot faster than anyone saw it. And, I mean, he said today, I still hate Liv. Hey, everything about it. I know, yeah. Um, and, and and the guys that left that took all that money, they're not just welcome to walk back in. So, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of the future of professional golf. But I do think that maybe now that a little more information is being made together. I mean, you still have to figure out how you make things right, if you can even come close to doing that for the guys that bought into what they were being sold by the PGA Tour and didn't go for the money. Um, And then if you are bringing these guys back, um, you know, they sued the tour, which was basically suing the other players. I mean, there's still a lot of harsh feelings. Um, Never mind the fact that all the money went. So we're going to get to that with Z-Man coming up right away. And just another just another quiet week at the Canadian Open, which it seems every year it's either COVID, it's canceled. It's the first week of live. And now this what happened yesterday. Scotty, have a great one tonight, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. By the way, shout out to uh, T. Will and S. K. I think the uh, I th- <laughs> I think the uh, yard dog fee the yard dog fund has been has been achieved. So uh, we'll be getting on that, folks, and uh, look forward to uh, look forward to having some fun content with that monster dog coming up. Uh, maybe as early as Friday. We'll see whether we can make that work, but definitely first few games of the season we will uh, we will make that happen um you know just uh well we uh, thank scott and before we get out to uh mark zacchino in toronto um princess auto tailgate zone fires up for the regular season for the first time great deals 350 pop and hot dogs five dollar beers entertainment outside the weather is going to be gorgeous um, you know, that, that area just got better and better throughout the season. And I mentioned before the West final was as good as any game I can remember maybe ever in Winnipeg. Um, so let's start it off the way we ended it off last season. Ticats are in town, opens at five 30, two hours before the game brought to you by princess auto proud sponsors, of the bombers and Winnipeg sports talk. And of course, princessauto.com for all your princess auto needs. And you can also shop online at one of two Winnipeg locations. Um, big shout out. Speaking of bomber fans, I know Joe and the gang at Consolidated Supply are fired up and ready to go for game number one. 
They are the leaders in irrigation systems, working with golf, the golf industry for years that can help you with your property as well. Artificial turf if you need it. New and used golf carts is the exclusive club guard dealer in Manitoba. And other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. Not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Whatever you need in those uh, categories, Consolidated Supplies got you covered. Pop by and see them at their new showroom. Open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, hey... The opener is finally here. How's your bomber gear looking, folks? If you got to get a little more blue and gold in the mix in time for Friday, only one place you need to go, and that is Royal Sports. An incredible bomber selection uh, waiting for you. T-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, Q-zips, shorts. They literally have it all. Tons of great hats and many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. Check out their Instagram page at Royal Sports Pembina. Make sure to give them a follow for everything that's just come in, including all those great new New Era Seabears hats. And while you're there, check out all their spring stock and summer for summer soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, tons of disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Royal Sports, the one and only 750 Pembina Highway. And again, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. I'll let you know when those next big massive tent sales are coming up over at Royal. And hey, we've got to wait one more day for the uh, cup final to get back at it. But we got the nugs and heat tonight. Blue Jays baseball, best place to get together with the gang for a few cold ones. Watching the game is, of course, Boston Pizza. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings and gourmet pizzas and the latest from the BP feature menu. And if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Well, as I mentioned, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Of course, they are presenting our week-long draft shows in Nashville at the draft. But I did just get a note from uh, the folks over, and this is actually a message more for Winnipeg Jets season ticket holders. But if you are a season ticket member, um, check your emails and your season ticket benefits because the Jets are doing, it's going to be a really cool draft event uh, for season ticket holders with a Winnipeg Jets draft barbecue. Game day host Brody Jackson and Jay Richardson will be uh, hosting the event, and it's an all-new draft party experience that brings together the uh, the fans with some classic summer fun. Obviously, the Jets are going to make their pick. Uh, you'll be able to interact. Who's going to be there? Moose, you know, Jimmy Ligny's going to be there. Sarah Orleski hanging out. Uh, alumni Derek Meach and Eric Fair. A little arena floor hockey. The mascots will be there. And some great prizes as well, including a live DJ photo booth and lots of great prizes to win, including a framed autographed Jets team photo, mini bridge jersey, and more. Uh, and, of course, each ticket comes with a barbecue-style dinner and a complimentary drink voucher. Uh, so uh, check the link right now. Season ticket holders, get on that for the uh, the draft event. I would go to that event if we weren't in Nashville, but we are really excited to be doing that. Of course, the uh, WST at the NHL Draft presented by CoolBet begins on the 26th of June. Um, let's get to a Breezy Bend golf report. It's one of the biggest weeks of the year when it comes to Canadian golf. It all got hijacked yesterday by the Incredible groundbreaking announcement of the uh, merger of uh, the DP Tour, PGA Tour, and the uh, influx of cash from the Saudi Public Investment Fund. So let's get out to Oakdale right now and hook up with the host of Golf Talk Canada, the one and only Mark Zacchino. The, uh, just another quiet Canadian Open week, huh? 
<laughs> Here we go again, hey boys, two years in a row. We get Live Golf hijacking our national championship. Uh, the good news is, you know, last year on the Thursday, when the when the ball went in the ground and golf started, the, the Live conversation kind of went away. Uh, we've been on the grounds here since Monday. It, it broke live in the middle of our show yesterday. So my gut tells me same thing this week. You know, once golf gets played tomorrow morning, 21 Canadians in the field, Rory here looking for a three-peat. There are big names here trying to win a championship. I think, you know, the closer we get to the weekend, no one will be talking about the, the big elephant in the room anymore. And, and once golf truly starts tomorrow, it'll get weaker and weaker. But, yeah, uh, yesterday and today – Boy, um, we wish we were talking about, uh, you know, what kind of golf it's going to take to win around here, what the course looks like. It's been hard to really get into that stuff with uh, with what might be the biggest sports story of the year, uh, definitely in golf. But, I mean, I think you got to go beyond golf at this point. Uh, Z, take us through yesterday. You guys were live on the air. I mean, I remember when I started seeing this, I thought it was fake. I checked to see if it was April 1st. I mean, like, how could something so um, so huge come basically out of nowhere? You guys were live on the air. I like, what, what happened? Yeah, well, you know, we're doing Golf Talk Canada from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern every day on radio and TV. So we were coast-to-coast -coast national TV yesterday, and, and we'll be there till Friday. And we, we send out a video. If you, if you go to you know, our social media feeds on Golf.Canada, we put a video up of Adam Scully reading the news, uh, getting the bulletin and, and the tweets and his phone and computer going off. I was putting a wrap on the segment, getting ready to throw it to break. And Adam's eyes just popped out of his head. And as soon as we went into break, he, he just looked at me and said, tear up everything we've got. And the show's just been hijacked. I'm like, what? And Weeksy runs up the steps into the studio. And Bob's like, guys, blow up the show. Blow up the show. There's a merger between Liv and PGA Tour. And we're like, come on. It was, we. I think the media, the, uh, the media, the players, the fans, I think everybody had a very similar reaction. Shocked, stunned, a little betrayed. Um, I think... Everybody involved, with the exception of Jay Monahan yesterday, was all using the same language. Uh, and, until today, when we heard from Rory, and we got a very, very surprising, shocking response from Rory McIlroy today. Everybody assumed, including including Bob Adam and I, that you know Rory would be the one that maybe was the most angry. Uh, he was asked to be the face of this thing now for a year and a half, and you know wave the flag for the PGA Tour and. Him and Tiger and Hideki Matsuyama and other players that stuck with the tour turned down huge amounts of money. And we just thought we'd get a very uh, different version of Rory. And we didn't get, we got a, a very flatline emotion, uh, flatline Rory, not an emotional Rory. Uh, we got a guy who has this in perspective and tried to put a positive spin on it. And we were all kind of a little surprised and a little shocked by this. So, um, We'll wait and see. Wound's still very fresh for most of these people. 90% of the players in the room yesterday were calling for the resignation of the commissioner. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we uh, heard some things come out of that players meeting, Z. I mean, uh, asking, you know, the word hypocrite was put out, not surprising. Um, and, and apparently, I, I saw Wesley Bryan last night saying that 
he would describe the temperature in the room as a 91 and previously the highest he'd ever seen was a 14. So it, it, it just speaks to how momentous this is and the effects on everyone. Crazy thing, and this has got to be tough for the players, Z, is that there wasn't a lot of details as to what this really means for the rank and file on the PGA Tour right now. Well, yeah, that's the frustrating part, right? The frustrating part is we've got more questions after the commissioner spoke than we do answers. And the temperature in the room, that, that's accurate. Most of these players' meetings are, hey, it's a couple of questions. They nod their heads. They talk about some financial stuff, maybe a policy switch here or there. And the guys are back to the range. They're trying to win a golf tournament. This was not that. This was emotional. It was angry. Uh, there were multiple standing ovations in the room uh, when when players went after Monaghan. And to your point, we're left with more questions than we have answers. And I don't believe we're going to get much. I don't believe we're going to get many answers anytime soon. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, what's 2024 schedule look like? Does Live Golf even still exist? This is a merger, yes. But if you listen to Rory's com comments, he thinks Live is over. And there's going to be some form of team competition brought into the PGA Tour and DP World Tour in their schedule over the next 20 uh, in, for 2024. But it ain't going to look like anything we've seen from Live. So in that respect, I mean, we have so many questions. Then you go to social media and you see rumors of Jeff Bezos now wanting to own a team if if Live is even going to continue, and Nike if if Live's going to continue. So. I'm in the I'm in the darkest. You guys are. I made nothing but phone calls yesterday. I spoke to a lot of guys I work with who are players that aren't necessarily active players. You're, you know, like Johnson Wagner's of the world, Andre Gonzalez of the world. These guys were on that Zoom call. Uh, the information we've received about temperature in the room and and what is accurate. And those guys are all in the dark as much as we are, and that's that's part of the frustration here in all of this. Z, uh, we spend so much time focusing on the PGA Tour, of course, and what this means for Live and the Live guys. The DP World Tour is a big part of this as well, and of course, uh, Manitoba's Aaron Cockrell is playing on the DP Tour right now. Do we have any idea what this means for the European Tour? Because they, in a lot of ways, were sort of getting squeezed more than anybody by the emergence of Live over the past 18 months. Keith Pelly and the DP World Tour, in my opinion, are the big winners in all this. If we're looking at this, this merger, this was a tour that was going to be depleted by their stars. Most of the big names that used to be faces of their tour are now North American players. They lost Ryder Cup captains. They lost Ryder Cup options. I mean, all of a sudden, the DP World Tour has stars back for 2024 strength the field back for 2024 future Ryder cup captains like Sergio Garcia back in the fold they are the big winners here and if there's a secondary winner here it's in Montreal next year the president's cup because if there's an international team that got dismantled by this it would have been the international team of the president's cup losing players like Joaquin Neiman and Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman and now all those players back in the fold again for Montreal in 2024. So to me, immediately right out of Gates, initial reaction, not knowing anything about the schedule and being left with a bunch of questions like you guys are, 
those are my winners after yesterday's news. Yeah, no, you're right. And of course, speaking of Winnipeg ties, our pal Ryan Hart, who is the executive director of the President's Cup, I actually texted him yesterday and just with, uh, oh my God, WTF. And uh, I think he was uh, had quite a busy day, but you are right. I mean, you know, looking at the big picture, just from a fan's perspective, there will be some benefits. Um, Z, as far as just the, the live situation, um, do you think that there will be a, a live tour? Like, should I be holding on to my Cleeks and Majestics merch uh, as, uh, <laughs> as, as, as special um, merch that, you know, no one will have because this is going to be short-lived? Yeah, you might have uh, collector's items there. I love Joel Damon's tweet, right? I always grew up wanting to be a member of the Four Aces, and now I have a chance on the PGA Tour. He is just the best. I don't know. I mean, th those are questions. Rory McIlroy certainly believes that live as we know it is no longer. That was, you know, certainly what he led us to believe in his comments. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I do believe this. I, I, I don't believe it will exist in the form that it currently exists in in 2024. They did not do this deal in this merger to have a substandard media product and to do deals with, you know, the CW and things like that, you've got to imagine now that we're going to be talking about big-time media players that are partners with the PGA Tour, uh, taking things like production and distribution and reimagining the model of what this looks like. I got to think all those things are coming. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just guessing here because why would you throw this kind of money at something if? if you're not going to take advantage of those things and improve the product. So in a way, I got to believe that at the very, very least, Liv is going to never look the same again as of 2024 and might be gone. Well, let's wait and see. But there will be team competition that is not going away. Some form of Liv will exist for sure. Does it fit within the PGA Tour schedule? Who knows? Does it happen after the tour wraps up? Is the tour going to reimagine the fall again? And Live Team Golf is going to operate post FedEx Cup, September, October, November, December? These are the questions we're left with, and we're only guessing right now. Uh, I guess a big part of the uh, Live players is what they need to do to get back on the tour. Um, I, I just have to ask you about Phil, because Phil. I mean, an all-time legend of the game. He was such a central figure in this. I mean, he basically did a full wrestling-style heel turn for the last couple of years. <laughs> what does yes, this uh, what, what does this do for Phil Mickelson? Does it say he was right all along? Um, and how difficult will it be for Phil in particular to maybe get back in the swing of things and uh, mend fences, or is that even possible? I don't, I don't really know. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they said there's going to be a fair and equitable process to welcome the players back as they reapply for membership within the PGA Tour. Will there be suspensions? Will there be fines? Will it be easier for uh, Harold Varda III to, to return, who resigned cleanly and just made a life choice and didn't sue the PGA Tour and didn't speak ill or throw anyone under the bus? Is his process easier for than a Phil Mickelson who sued everybody and light, lit the world on fire and to your point did the full heel turn it's like uh it's like uh Hollywood Hulk Hogan trying to get back in the red and uh, uh red and yellow right boys <laughs> like I mean that's what it feels like and all we know this is all we know Monaghan and the powers that be part of this new entity 
are having that conversation right now and will continue to have that conversation between now and the FedEx Cup on what that process is. All we know is there is going to be a process for them to return if they choose. We don't know what the process is, and they don't even know what the process is yet. they got to nail that down. The one thing everybody can agree upon here is this news came out because they had to come out with it because they thought it was going to leak. They were not ready for this. They did not have the T's crossed and the I's dotted. I think everybody here on the property believes that if they could have sat on this for a few more months, they would have, but they would have risked it not coming from them. And so instead, they got ahead of it. And that's why we're left with so many questions. Mark Sacchino, Golf Talk Canada, PGA Tour Radio with us from Oakdale, site of the RBC Canadian Open. Z, let's get to the tourney quickly. New course, new location for us. I've been seeing some pictures of the rough. It looks gnarly there right now. What can you tell us about the challenge awaiting these PGA stars on Thursday? It's uh, going to be, it's a, it's a, they're using a composite routing of three nines for 18 holes. So it's a little awkward in the routing. Uh, the winds have kicked up. If these winds kick up, it could change the narrative that everybody thinks that 20 under par or more is going to win this thing. Um, the rough is thick, but the landing areas are very generous in the in terms of off the tee. I think the challenge in this golf course, other than wind, is going to be the nuances of these greens. These greens are 100 years old or so in most of the holes, depending on what nine they're playing. And, and, and they're tricky, and they're not obvious greens. So whoever figures out these greens the, quick, the quickest might be the one who walks away with this championship. But, uh, yeah, the rough was the story, but look at what happened in St. George's, guys. The rough was likely thicker in St. George's than it is here at Oakdale. And, you know, they dismantled St. George's. Uh, it's just the modern-day golfer when you give them soft conditions, wide fairways, and they just go after it. The one thing I can tell you is the birdies on this golf course are going to happen on the back nine. On the back nine, you can see some crazy low scores. We can see 29s on this back nine, a lot of 30s, 31s. The front nine's a challenging layout. Only one par five on the front nine, some really large adult-sized par fours. So the stubbornness of this golf course is going to come in the first half. Birdie barrage on the back nine. Most players I talk to are using the number 20 under, but when we came up with the number 20 under, we were not getting gusts of wind that we are right now. So a lot of it will depend on, hey, what Mother Nature does. If the winds lay down, look for 20 under or better. If the winds kick up, winter could hold around 15, 16 under. Uh, what do you think about the chances of our Canadian contingent in this tourney? I mean, we got 21 of them, and so many of them are playing well. Uh, Eric Cockrell under the radar, Corey Connors having chance at majors, Nick Taylor emotionally prepared for the moment. Look what he did at the designated event in Phoenix. Uh, so many of these guys, we got multiple winners on the PGA Tour already this year. I know they're sick of the question, 1954. I mean, every year our chances get better than the year before because every year our strength of field in terms of Team Canada gets stronger than the year before. The question will be, not whether they're good enough to win or not whether they have a chance on Sunday. I mean, I'd be surprised if we didn't have a chance to win on Sunday in a red and white on the board. The question will be, can a male handle the size of the moment the way Brooke Henderson did on the LPGA Tour a few years ago? Can they handle the size of that moment? Can they use home crowd advantage versus home crowd pressure? We won't know till we get there, boys, on the last two hours on Sunday.
Hey, you mentioned Aaron Cockrell. Of course, a lot of proud Manitobans going to be pulling for him on the weekend. He's got a very different route, getting contemporary, you know, part-time membership and then full-time membership on the European tour. Um, but what do you know about uh, Aaron's game? And uh, is he an under-the-radar guy maybe to be uh, playing on the weekend and making some noise? He's, out, he's under the radar because where he plays, right? DP World Tour. And if you look at his consistency, I think that's what you have to nod to. Look at his performance out there. He's just hanging around with a lot of good finishes. And the DP World Tour is a great tour. and They play all over the world, and that's why he's under the radar. And we've got some young players on sponsors' invites, like Will Bateman, who's here, who's a winner on PGA Tour Canada and performing excellent on Corn Ferry Tour. I mean, there are a lot of Canadians that aren't named Spenson, Hadwin, Hughes, etc., that are all playing well. Now, this is a much bigger stage. It is the PGA Tour. It is the national championship. But the golf ball doesn't know who's hitting it, and the golf ball doesn't know what tour you're playing on. So to your point, there are guys under the radar. Several of them happen to be Canadian. So don't be surprised if you see those names on Sunday. Uh, Z, just before we go uh, outside of our Canadians, uh, is there a couple of other dark horses you think might be there on Sunday? Or uh, is there one guy that you think, if i got to put one nickel down, this is my pick to win? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's that guy. I like Justin Rose a lot this week, guys. He went crazy on Sunday last year at St. George's. It's going to take a similar type of performance here and a similar type of golf course here at Oakdale. Uh, a lot of elevated greens, etc., just like last year. Justin Rose is playing some amazing golf right now, already a winner on the PGA Tour this season. And uh, someone on the inside told me potential for a new driver in the bag that he's absolutely striping this week. He played well at the PGA. He's been quiet the last couple of weeks, playing some quiet, solid golf. Would not be surprised if Rosie had a say come Sunday. Z-Man, you are the best. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, hopefully folks can focus can focus in on the Canadians and everyone playing in this tournament with everything else going on. But uh, in the meantime, keep up the great work on Golf Talk Canada with all this extra content all week long. Thanks, boys. Have a great week. Enjoy our national championship. All right. Good stuff with uh, with Z-Man. And again, half an hour from now, if you're with us live on YouTube, over on the Lock Shop YouTube channel, at Lockshop, that's we're breaking down the Canadian Open with Dusty and uh, the red hot Pat Gregoire from Cool Bet. Uh, we actually will get to the Cool Bet lines in just a minute, but don't forget, Bomber fans, our friends at Little Brown Jug are so excited to be official partners with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and 1919, their flagship brand, now available at IG Field during Bomber Games. Did a little work for you, went to the preseason game, did the intel. You can find 1919 at the poutinery locations, as well as the hometown concession stands on both the main level and the upper bowl. So uh, if you want the great taste of some local beer, it's there for you, and there's nothing better than 1919. Of course, Little Brown Jug's got so many great beers out right now. I got a chance to try quite a few of them at Flatlanders Beer Fest last week. Best place to do that, pop on down and see them at Little Brown Jug, that great patio outside and all those delicious beers at the brewery and tap room over on William Avenue. Of course, we just had Mark Sacchino on with us. Uh, you know, all of our golf reports and a busy, busy golf week brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend. If you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family on one of Manitoba's top private clubs, 
and courses, get on over to Breezy Bend. Talk to our pal Corey Johnson about getting on the waiting list for next year. You can find out more about giving Corey a call um, at the clubhouse or get online at breezybend.ca. And a uh, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. It's been a hell of a start to the fishing season. Um, there's fishing. But then there's the Aikens experience, and uh, I can tell you personally, there's really nothing like it. My favorite few days of the year, uh, and you can be on, including the flight, you can be on the water in about two hours from the city of Winnipeg, unlike most of the fly-in opportunities here in the province. And as great as the fishing is, and it is amazing, the best thing about it is the incredible world-class hospitality of the Aikens team. Find out more at AikensLake.com, and uh inquire about availability for the remainder of that this year or get planning on a 2024 calendar that is already filling up all right uh let's get to the cool bet lines don't forget cool bet is presenting our draft shows from nashville beginning on the 26th of june really looking forward to that and i'm looking forward to this hoops game tonight game three nuggets and heat starting just after 7 30 series maybe a little closer than a lot of People expected. I certainly didn't think the Heat would win game number two, but they did. But I like the Nuggets tonight. I'm not sure we're going to get a better number on the Nuggets at any point in this series. Minus 140 for Denver on the road against the Miami Heat. Of course, there's tons of player props. You want to jump on a Joker prop or whatnot. It's all there. But I'm liking Denver at minus 140. And the Blue Jays are back on the uh, on the diamond tonight, taking on the Houston Astros. I believe it's Bassett that's pitching. That's probably a reason why the Jays are a minus 147 favorite. And while we're at it, check out the Canadian Open. For all you Winnipeggers that would like to bet on our guy Aaron Cockrell, who made that uh, incredible cameo yesterday during Feinberg's hit from Oakdale on Winnipeg Sports Talk, I talked to the guys, and we've got Aaron Cockrell added to the make-the-cut options. If you go right down to the bottom... Aaron Cockrell, minus 143 to make the cut, plus 107 to miss the cut. Cockrell also plus 450 for a top 20. And uh, hey, if you really want to talk about a dream scenario, 150 to 1 to win the tournament. All those are there, including all the other favorite players. Rory McIlroy is the favorite to win the tournament at plus 525. Uh, other of the top players in it, Terrell Hatton, Sam Burns, Maddie Fitz, Cam Young, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Canadian Corey Connors, and uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, Feinberg's on Fleetwood. And I'm sort of thinking Tommy might have a big week coming up. Again, it's all there at CoolBet. If you haven't played there before, you can always use the promo code WST. 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. And the Lock Shop Canadian Open Show, as well as week one in the CFL, coming up at 3.30 on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this afterwards or uh, just... Just subscribe to the podcast as well for you audio listeners. Uh, search The Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite pods. Uh, Remo, we've got some ASD action. Just before we do that, shout out to the Gold Eyes who got the win this afternoon. Uh, a nice start after a break in a losing streak yesterday. Now they're uh, back in the win column and we'll continue through for what should be a great weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And don't forget, Saturday... Métis night, Canadian curling queen Carrie Anderson going to be throwing out the first pitch. 
and fireworks after the game as well. So uh, more gorgeous weather. Great time to get out to the ballpark to see our friends at the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. We'll get a bit of an update on what's happening on the weekend with Andrew Collier tomorrow on the program. But uh, Remo, we actually got off the schneid. It did not have a terrible night last night at the track. Uh, pretty much right around a break-even point, including a couple scratches that uh, refunded a better two. Yeah, you know, I get disappointed when my horses get scratched just because then it doesn't count. But you do get the bet refunded. So I did have one winner yesterday. So I was, like, basically even. I think I lost $2. So yeah, it was the same still... thing with me. Shout out to Buy Y'all. Buy Y'all came through for us yesterday. My, I, yeah. I had I a got, winner on that one. I got cocky and had Buy Y'all in a triactor, I think. Uh, but Melisandre was my horse, which I've definitely bet on before, and that was the winner for me. Uh, yeah, I... done. All right, let's uh, roll through the picks. What do you got for today? Okay. Uh, let's see. I I only picked winners today. I didn't pick. I didn't go with the triactor box or exacta box. Let me take a look. This was a no brainer for me on race. One, uh, I went with Otani to win. Our favorite. Shout out Sh- Shohei. I feel like Otani's like never that good of a horse, but uh, had decent odds and was a program selection here. So I said, sure. It's only a four horse. It's only a four horse race here. One of them got scratched. Um, put my password in to see. Oh, I picked our in race two. I picked Artisan Dancer. These are all four dollar to win. Artisan Dancer. I picked to win. I like that one. I like. Uh, oh yeah, in race three. This is a nice one. I went for Pray for Peace. I thought it was that's the long shot, but I, I remember that horse being good. So I'm going with a long shot here. Pray for Peace. In race three, race four, I got to pick the Comrie rule. I don't know if it's about Eric or Mike Comrie, <laughs> but uh, we had to pick. We had to pick a. So we got the the baseball name, the hockey, the hockey name here. Race. I think that's it for me. I might have one more. I think race seven. I have one more winner. It is. Uh. Know what I mean? I got know what I mean. Oh, know what I mean is an absolute lock. Yeah, lock. That's, a, that's a big one. That's 12 horses in a race together for race seven. Yeah, that is a monster. I threw a triactor in on that one. Uh, all right. I also rode with you with, on Otani in race number one. Race number two, I've got a 2 5 exacta wits memories and artesian dancer. Race number three. We are betting on horse number three to win. Oh, that's Inter-Miami. Listen, with the news of Leo Messi (laughs) going to Inter-Miami today, that was also an auto bet. How could we not go with Inter-Miami for that one? Uh, Race number four, we're going on number four to win, free carry comb. Uh, Race number five, we've got a a exacta with two and eight, Kitan and Papa Oscar Whiskey. Uh, race number six, just a toonie on horse number two, Monstradamus. And then race number seven, had to throw a triactor down on this one. This is a huge, huge race. We've got four, Know What I Mean, 
Number seven, Gold Diggin' Darling. And number 11, Sunday Scheming. Uh, if you do want to play with us and you can't make it out, get an account over at HPI Bet. And um, they'll be able to uh, load it up and bet on the track. And watch it, of course, on the AS Downs YouTube. Uh, full preview show every night at 645. If you want some tips from uh, Kirk and Stretch, who does such a great job, then the guys will have the call throughout the evening. So uh, should be a great night. I'm going to actually head out to the track tonight. It's been so hot lately. I think tonight might be uh, maybe the little window of uh, all this heat. Might be a perfect night to get out there. But uh, anyways, the Cinnaboy Downs, if you can... Make a full night of it. Get into that dining room and jump on that world-class buffet as well. Um, nothing like that for a full night of live racing out at the track. And stay tuned to WST. We'll uh, make some arrangements in the next little bit. Maybe it'll be early July when we get back from Nashville. Uh, but to do a Winnipeg sports talk mm-hmm. night and get a bunch of folks out for what should be a uh, a really, uh, really fun night. And hopefully we'll uh, get on a bit of a heater with some of these picks tonight, Remo. We sprinkled the board quite well tonight. I went through a different strategy, actually. I Normally, I've been mixing in some Xactas, some Triactor boxes. I usually bet like five, but I did five $4 bets here uh, on the seven races. So I got a bit of action in, in all of them. So I'm, I'm fired to see how this goes for me uh, as we we're duel at the downs. Yeah, we could have some rain tonight, which is great for the, uh, the gold eyes. I'm, I'm excited to have Collier on tomorrow. Because, um, as I said, 6,000 school kids were at the game today. It was an 11 o'clock game. And Andrew said, you know, and I guess this happens with these weekday day games. So, I mean, so many of their staff have other gigs that they were quite short-staffed. And he and I believe the uh, CEO of TransCanada Brewing were working craft beer corner today. But to be honest, with 6,000 kids, I'm not sure how many beers they would be pouring. But I did tell them to make sure they ID'd today. Because um, you uh, you never know. Hey, listen, before we get going, Reem, and I didn't mention this at the start of the show because I knew we would probably get sidetracked, but we have lost an absolute legend today from the world of professional wrestling. Maybe my all-time favorite. Certainly, wrestlers go, the promo was a big part of it, and uh, there simply was only one Iron Sheik if you're not familiar with the Iron Sheik, there's a beautiful picture of, uh, and, and there's a great, um, A&E did these uh, documentaries. There was a biography on the Iron Sheik and uh, you know, incredible story. He was an Olympic, uh, Olympic wrestler and a weightlifter um, and came to uh, America uh, and didn't get the Iron Sheik real persona until a little later on. And in a lot of ways, he was the guy that, you know, ended Bruno Sammartino's reign and then sort of turned the belt over to Hulk Hogan to begin a Hulkamania. But what stands out about the Sheik was his incredible and always hilarious promos. And we've got one lined up for you to finish up the show today. Check this one out, folks. This is the legendary Mean Gene Okerlund, WST regular, interviewing the Iron Sheik during his heyday in the WWF. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East, he's from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani, Khosrow Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. 
Thank you very much, Jane Min, intelligent American, intelligent Miami City, all American resting city. People like you always tell the music, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the sons, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch American, and he makes a name for himself. Exactly. You know who I'm talking about, I right? know exactly. Exactly. Now, Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aaron Sheik. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California, they know who is the Aaron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirshner. Corporal Kirshner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time, just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready, because she born ready. Cameraman, Zuma. Zuma, thank you. Miami's Night Center, Monday, April 28th. Cameraman, Zoom it. The Sheik, all-time legend. He'll break your back. He'll make you humble. And, uh, oh, my God, I, it, this is warming my heart to see all of the comments in about the Sheik. Uh, and there's nothing better, as Ian Vivian mentions, he always calls me Gene, Gene Mean. Um, he had a way with the English language, Remo, that uh, was truly special. But what a character and what a real wrestling legend. Um, and one of the greatest follows on Twitter up until his passing today. Yeah, um, he really took on a, a second career. I don't know if he came into some handlers who had taken over his identity and turned it into a Twitter account, but he lived on uh, on Twitter, and they put out a lengthy, uh, you know, lengthy thing here, uh, note post. So, um, sad day, and again, I mean, Mean Gene's gone too. It's kind of sad, and you look at all the wrestlers from that era. You know, as we get older, going going away, and uh, Iron Sheik legend. I do have to watch that A and E documentary. Uh, I haven't seen a couple of those. Uh, they're all, uh, it, they're the well meat, done. The Sheik one, and you mentioned the guys that ran his um, the the Twitter page. I believe it's Paige Megan, um, who I believe was involved in Kenny and Spenny, if I'm not mistaken. I could be I, wrong. I on think that. some guys from Toronto. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> no, exactly, and. Um, uh, Kenny, yeah, the Kenny versus Spenny, I think, was one of his productions. Worked on some other things, but also did a documentary on the Sheik, not the uh, the biography one. So uh, it's a lot of great Iron Sheik stuff out there. But cameraman, zoom it, the all time legend. Uh, so we wanted to finish that up with an R.I.P. to an all time legend. The Iron Sheik. Um, that is going to do it for us today, folks. Uh, Lock Shop again coming up about 15 minutes from now if you want to hang with myself, Dustin Nielsen, and uh, Pat Gregoire with a little bit of CFL talk. We'll hit these games tonight. And, of course, the Canadian Open. And otherwise, join us tomorrow for what should be a great show, uh, getting ready for our uh, week at the draft. Speaking of cool vet, uh, that week you know, beginning on the 26th of June, um, we're going to hook up with one of the elite prospects guys to talk about the upcoming draft and what they're hearing a little bit more on their favorite prospects. Um, that's Tony Ferrari. 
Uh, Andrew Collier is going to join us. We'll have some more on the Stanley Cup final because, of course, Game 3 is tomorrow night. But in the meantime, you got the Jays. You've got the NBA Finals tonight. Assiniboine Downs and Goldeyes back at it tomorrow in the evening after an afternoon game today. Thanks to our guests, Mark Zacchino, Marshall Ferguson, the birthday boy, Scott Billick, and thanks to all of you for being a part of the U.S. show today. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and Whatever you do, have a great night and join us tomorrow at 1 for some more WST. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.